The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Rodicat. You can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Uh, yes. Switching it up today. An oldie but baddie. <laughs> <laughs> Let me stop. I don't I don't have a problem with that, but it's like yeah. I hadn't heard that one in a minute though. Good good stuff. Um and the sound effects you have just heard and the voice you have just heard come from another other than one agent underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram. What's up everybody? Gotta love it. And this here podcast you can find on the Cold Slither Podcast Network. That's cspn.us. Do it today. No, that's funny. Um, <laughs> uh, you could also find this podcast on your podcast place of choice, whether it be Google Play, uh, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Cold Slither Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Um, you, uh, you can also find us recording this fine podcast every week, Thursdays, 9.30ish p.m. Um, on the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's youtube.com slash The Click Nation. That's V-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N, all in one word. And twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. If if you um if you are so inclined, give us uh you know give us a follow on the Comic Book Chronicles Twitch page, um and and the the Click Nation YouTube page also you know. If- Remember to hit like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell so that you find out whenever we are recording or whenever we post something new. Yeah, smash that like button. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, every time I say that, <laughs> like, oh. but anyway, folks, uh, we are here for for comic books and merriment, and we are going to start off with some, let's say, spoiler free, spoiler definitely spoiler light, spoiler free impressions of uh, the recent episode of Marvel's One What If on Disney Plus. Yes, the second episode of What If dropped this week. And we are going to speak with as few spoilers as possible. But just in case you want to be completely spoiler free, 
Here comes the spoiler belt to tell you when you need to stop listening and maybe fast forward a little bit to avoid any spoilers. In three, two, one. Okay. Hey, hey look, if you like last week's episode, you're going to love this one. However, um, <laughs> this is the episode where um, is one of the final um, performances of... Chadwick Boseman uh, as uh, as um, as T'Challa back Black Panther come in. This is the first one, and it's centered around uh, T'Challa. Uh, and I say right. T'Challa, not Black Panther, but um, right, right. Well, it's not really spoiling too much because the general premise of this "What If" episode is: What if T'Challa became a Star Lord? And all you have to do is transpose one character for another, mm-hmm. and all sorts of different changes and hijinks ensue. Right, which is and that's essentially of... where this show decides to go. Mm-hmm. And trust me when I say this, there are some really pleasant moments. There are some really funny moments. Right, it was a joy to listen to Chadwick Boseman kind of embrace a different side of T'Challa, the character, and you know it's a shame. Because this is a side of the character that you feel like maybe he might have been looking forward to exploring in live action. A little bit more of the quippiness, a little bit more of the wittiness and the banter. We got a taste of it in the Black Panther movie. You know, much less so, obviously, in his first appearance in the Civil War movie and much less so in the Infinity War and in Endgame movies where he basically played, you know, he basically had brief cameo appearances. But um, in terms of, you know, just having a, a, a lighthearted uh, uh, sense of humor and, and uh, 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 an easiness about himself, kind of letting the royal guard down, as it were, right. uh, it's... It was refreshing to hear, and you could really sense that he was having a lot of fun playing this particular uh, role with this, uh, you know, with this characterization. So, um, I mean, that's that was that's that was the big thing that I took from it. Mm-hmm. How about you? Yeah, I can agree with that. Like that, and like Agent Seventy said, the premise of it is, is like, you know, hey, you have the, the event that happens in the character's life, but what if it goes differently? In this case, it's kind of two different characters so it is definitely uh well two different characters in a sense especially with what happens at the end but um but you basically put this character in another situation where they didn't actually go in the main uh main universe and yeah so this is as, as it was already said is a more lighthearted version because he didn't have the he didn't go through the same events that he would have gone through had his life played out the same as what we know it to be even in the mcu you know, uh, that led up to, to to him being a more serious character in the live action, um, the live action movies. So without right. that, and he goes kind of great, another avenue. Yeah, exactly. There's a couple of really great interactions and scenes throughout this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was really great overall, but there's a couple of really noteworthy interactions the first one is so early and it's between uh craglin taser face mm-hmm. and yondu when when uh when they're dealing with the con with the results of their 
uh, <laughs> botched mission, let's say. Right. And I, would, I thought that was hysterical. Right. I would argue it goes further before that one. The one, the one between T'Challa and actually, I, I feel like I feel compelled to call Star here, call him Star T'Challa, because I know I've seen that yeah. kind of floating around a couple of times, a couple of places. But uh, between T'Challa and Korath. Oh yeah. Yeah. That. that oh right yeah. There. I mean, we actually brought that up earlier. Yes. So. But talk uh, about, uh, you know, we were just joking earlier about trying to remember how things uh, uh, play out in, in, in sequence. Mm. And there's a reason why we actually uh, pulled up some notes so that we could remind ourselves when these things happen. Because we did, even though we watched these relatively recently, it feels like forever ago in the, you know, in the way that we view time nowadays. Yeah, kind of. Because, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because we record this on a Thursday, it comes out on a Wednesday, and, you know, we watched it, but it was a day ago in in our, in a recording time. Um, exactly. Like, I literally watched this over breakfast on Wednesday. I think so I watched it. So it's been a um, while. Yeah, I, think I watched <laughs> it, like, probably 5 o'clock in the morning, something like 5, 6 o'clock in the morning. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so it was, it's been a while for me. So, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, me too. It does open with... It does open with um, a callback to uh, the first, the opening of the first Guardians movie. Right, without dance number, obviously, but you know, uh, well, not even obviously, right. but you know, it kind of cuts out some of the stuff that that we see uh, Star Lord goes through in the very beginning of the first Guardians movie, but kind of exactly gets, gets straight to the point of the heist or the um, the, um, the 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 Infinity Stone heist. Right, and without, and it's not even spoiling anything. In the in the in the in the show about the plot, right. there is what I felt was a callback to a scene in Coming to America, and Roddy Cat is inclined to agree. Kind of, yeah, but, it, but also, see, it, but also pretty, Black Panther, pretty music. right? But also Black Panther because there was a, definitely a similar scene where uh, that a similar thing happened, or a similar um, uh, uh, conversation happened about the bowing. Oh yeah, oh, wasn't that? No, no, wait, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. That was Infinity it was War. Infinity War. Yes, 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 yes. That was Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so my comparison still applies. Yes. Uh, because uh, you just have to think back to uh, the scene in Madison Square Garden where where they're watching a Knicks game and uh, go from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from right. coming to America, but yeah, but definitely the Infinity War one is, is the exactly, more, exactly. Is, is so just a uh, one. There's a couple of really interesting twists and turns that the story takes because of the transposition between Peter Quill and T'Challa in the story. And there's a couple of really shocking ones. You know, we won't spoil what they are, but when you see them unfold on screen, you will be shocked. You might be startled. <laughs> right. Yeah, but it plays out so well. Now, and I know, actually, I didn't get to talk to you about this uh, in the beginning, but I, uh, I believe we talked about this last week where it seemed as though the um, the dialogue was kind of going a little bit fast in the in the first one. And you still kind of get some of that, a little bit of that here. It might be a little less noticeable, but I think that's just a, a uh, pacing thing because of the animation and them trying to get a lot more in, you know, trying to pack a lot more in. So to, so to move the dialogue and stuff on, they kind of, they kind of go a little, seem, it seems like it goes a little, little faster. Speech. Right. Yeah. Speed up the speech just a touch. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's just a, that's just a, that's just, that was a, that was a choice because of that. 
and uh, and oh. less so that because like I said, this, it was a thing like Captain Marvel, the the, the Captain Marvel movie did that, and it felt like like they were just kind of rushing through the, the dialogue, especially with uh with uh, Brie Larson's character. Mm. Well, with you know, Brie Larson's character, you know, she was Captain Marvel. Duh. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. Uh, but I think this this might have been indicative of just like no, that's just like yeah, we're just trying to get through the dialogue and you know pacing it with the animation and kind of keeping it moving. Right. So I, like. I think without, you know, without going into the details, yeah. the the one other thing that um that I noticed and 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 made a mental note about is how the after effects, the the the, the you know, the 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 extended ramifications of this particular transposition also leads to the not the omission, but 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 knowing that different things happen to characters that we knew to be a part of the Guardians in the original, the regular MCU Guardians uh, rent, um, version, where in this case, what we have is certain characters do not come together right away because of uh, T'Challa being put into Peter Quill's place. Right. You know, we don't see a number of guardians characters pop up in the story because of that. Right. Or, or some, or the ones that do in the same way that they showed up in the original guardians. Uh, right. Hey, but, 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 right. But my point being that we actually don't see them at all. Right. Like not even a reference to them. No, that's right. what's in, that's super interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like it makes you wonder. And I, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, we already have confirmation that there's going to be a season two. So that might, uh, I think it's true. I haven't seen it, but that's probably true. I'm pretty sure there's already been confirmation of season two, if not implied confirmation. Which good because, like, uh, like we said in the last week's one, like there's there's more they could do out well in and or outside of the MCU with with the what if, right? And so uh, it'll be interesting to see, and and obviously it'll be without uh, the voice talents of Chadwick Boseman, but it'll be interesting to see where they take these characters in this in this uh uh t'challa lord or 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 or, or star t'challa version t'challa, yeah. of character uh where they take this this uh, particular cosmic story if they decide to go further and as i said earlier weave in the characters we still that we weave in the characters that we saw were actually left out of the story right um right it- and even with this particular episode, like I feel like at the end, um, when they made a when they referenced uh, another character uh, who would originally have been have would have originally have been in uh, uh, in this, I feel like they're gonna they may come back to that for uh, and maybe sometime this season or maybe next season. Because they did even say it was like, oh, and that's a story for another time, which is what I've been hearing that a lot lately. I'm sitting like, huh, okay. <laughs> um, so maybe we'll even get to see what happened with that. Because obviously, if T'Challa was the one that was taken, and you're like, well, what happened to this other character? You, you know, who would be in that place? Uh, you know, we get a big hint at the end of the episode, though. Exactly. Um, and that could lead, and, and as Roddy Cat was implying, that could lead into an entirely new storyline. Mm-hmm. 
or maybe play in some uh, some you know uh, something later on in this season or whatever it may be. We don't know. Um, and I know they did say that supposedly they're trying to set up a multiversal um, Avengers with this what if story. So I assume that's going to be the thing for this season and, and going in. I what I would assume and going to into next season maybe like it'll be like an ex- exiles type situation maybe. We don't know. Um, but this, it, I feel like they have, Marvel has said that, uh, that's kind of a thing that they're trying to set up with this. And it is, you know, connected to the actual MCU. So like, we will, we will see, um, how that plays off as, uh, as the season goes on. That being said though, like I said, it was, it was, um, just to close it out. Uh, it it was really good. It was also kind of touching, uh, it also like, especially with the whole T'Challa in space thing, you could kind of, and not necessarily, it wasn't a direct reference to the recent comic book, but you can kind of make, you, 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 you know, you can kind of make a connection to it because of the fact that it was, um, T'Challa in space. Um, and I feel like, um, like we, we know Chadwick Boseman's, uh, voice work was done like a while ago before he passed. And uh, so a, a lot of that was already set in stone, but I feel like there was probably, I, I kind of wonder if there was some kind of rewrites with the other characters to kind of make, to, to make certain statements to make this more of a tribute to him or, uh, or, you know, or, or not. I'm not, I, I can't say whether that's the case or not, but regardless, there was, there was definitely a vibe there about it um, throughout this whole thing. That that could have already been there, you know, regardless of whether he had passed or not, uh, with what happens. Um, but I will go ahead and say that uh, at the end of it, you do see you do say you know a CA dedicated to Chadwick Boseman. So I know, and I know a lot of people are kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of a it was kind of sad and sad uh, going into this, and was kind of intrepid, uh, kind of leery about going into this because there's still you know it. Chadwick's death hit a lot of people very hard. You know, hit a lot of us very, very hard. And, you know, it's kind of hard for people to be like, oh, you know, to go into this knowing that he's passed and, you know, there's still stuff coming out for him. You know, so if you're one of those people, you know, go into it. Like, I've even seen somebody that was like, yeah, they, they watched the first couple of minutes. It was like, yeah, I don't do it. They don't know if they could, they could sit through it because of that. I don't know. If oh, it was it. it was supremely sad. I got sad. I didn't need. There's a tribute at the end of the episode. Yes. I didn't need that to make me sad. Or oh, just hearing him speak right. got me right away. I mean, I was able to listen to it because of the lighthearted nature of his dialogue. Right. You know, just to hear him have fun with this character in this regard, in this, you know, in this setting was was a was a treat. Right. Exactly. And that was kind of my thing because, like, yes, I was sad by his definition. I mean, it didn't hit me. Well, it hit me. It hit me hard enough, but at the same time, I was like, you know what? Get, there's still, we still have more out there, and there's, like we said earlier, a couple more things that are coming out with him, even after his passing, that we get to see him in. So we get to, we get to have him for a little bit longer, and that. So if you think about it that way, it's not as bad, you know. Um, and of course, you know, there, there's always the Black Panther and, and, and the stuff that he's already done that you can kind of go back to for that. But I also understand that, like, yeah, it hit a lot of people real hard. So it would be hard to kind of go into this episode. But I was like, I felt like it was a good celebration of, of um, both he and, uh, and the character. 
uh, and throughout this the, this whole episode. So, and I'm looking forward to seeing the the next couple of. Um, I guess it's sad that the, 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 it will be really sad because, like, once we get to the, the the very last one that he did, that that'll be sad because, like, yeah, we're probably not gonna get any more. Oh, well, we're not gonna get any more, but you know that uh, situation. But like I said, it was it was I felt I took it as kind of as a celebration of what we already have, what we got, and what we're getting from him, even in his passing. Um, that being said, unless you got something else, you know, no, I'm good. Uh, so yeah, so that was what if no episode two, uh, like I said, every Wednesday they come out and, uh, you know, look forward to another thing next weekend or next week when we talk, uh, we're going to move on to books. And I believe we said we were going to, thank you. Well, we're going to start off with sinister war number three. All righty. Sinister War number three is the penultimate episode of this uh, odd story by Nick Spencer, written by Nick Spencer and Ed Brisson, penciled by Mark Bagley, Carlos Gomez, and Zay Carlos, with inks by Andrew Hennessy, Andy Owens, John Dell, and Carlos Gomez. And Zay Carlos. Colors are by Brian Reber and Andrew Crossley. And letters are by uh, Visual Calligraphy's own Joe Caramagna, our favorite Paisan. So uh, the bottom line is the various iterations of the uh, Sinister Six and variations thereof have converged upon uh, Spidey at the behest of Kindred. Kindred is basically uh, promising that he's going to have them all cursed if they don't hunt down and uh, kill Spider-Man, and they all end up getting in each other's way. Um, uh, A major villain who had been resurrected specifically during the Kindred storyline makes yet another reappearance. And uh, we get a little bit, a tiny little bit of redemption for Nick Spencer's favorite uh, supervillain slash almost antihero. Yes, yes. Uh, And ultimately, right. And ultimately at the end, it looks like we are speeding towards uh, a conclusion to the story. Well, <laughs> I wish I had the faith in you in that one, but yeah, we are, we definitely get into it. Cause there, there, as we have said before, there's this has been kind of going on for a while. Like this particular arc in this whole, this overarching thing that Nick Spencer is doing has been going on just a bit. This one is still no exception. Like this is for like like uh, I believe uh, like uh, Agent Seventy said earlier. Like this is you know just piling on more people. Uh, yes. The mix. So yeah, the fact that we got a recurrence of uh, this one, actually a couple of characters, a few characters, um, in, in along with that character. Not ever think about it. Um. 
just just happened to reappear back in the store. It's like, do we really need another group to to uh... <laughs> like he already had it, it was beset by a whole bunch of folks already. Did we need another group to come into this? But I guess you know, like I said, this is Kendra's whole plot to like really pile it on to old Spidey and uh, get into it. Um, and yeah, I guess we are getting closer than we were to to uh, to the end of this this thing. I said speeding firmly tongue in cheek. Yeah. Because, because ultimately you can see the characters that Spencer has chosen to focus upon and has chosen to try to develop over the course of his run. One of them being the new Beetle, another being Mysterio, obviously, mm-hmm. another being uh, Boomerang, mm-hmm. because Boomerang is the star of the freaking show, not Peter Parker. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, these are the characters that he's chosen to focus upon. And that's who we're getting right at the end of this issue. Uh, and we're getting a little bit of a focus on them. And we're going to see what role they play in the next issue. And I believe Amazing has two issues left or three issues left, 72, 73 and 74 before we get to 75 rolling into the new run. Correct. So there's not much Spencer Spider-Man left before we roll into the new uh, status quo, but we're going to see Spencer develop this story and leave Peter Parker in a place where that new create that new Spidey creative group. It's not even a team. That group is going to take the character, going to take the concept, maybe not the character. Right. The, the, um, but as many side issues and this one and this sinister war thing, like I'm pretty sure they could have made 450 easily if they had put it into the main book, especially as, as for as often as, as amazing has been going, uh, coming out. But you know, right. um, and bear in mind, bear in mind, as soon as the Beyond Corporation storyline starts after 75, Spidey, amazing Spidey is going to go to three times a month. Yes. So if you haven't had enough Spidey as it as it were, then hey, buckle up, folks. And it's not even going to be mean, Peter. So <laughs> yeah, what I was going to say is it's a way for them to cram in that story before they bring Peter back. Yeah, yeah, this is true. These are the old heads talking, young folks. Exactly. And we've been exactly we've been through a glut of Spider Man back in the back in the late eighties, early nineties. So we know. We've, we've been here before. <laughs> like Right. I mean, even during Brand New Day, they were doing weekly, and then they had to scale it back because it was just too much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at least we didn't have a character change other than a status change. So, ultimately, you know, I was willing to write through that. I still have most of those books, if not all of them, during Brand New Day. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm going to jump on right away with this Beyond Corporation stuff. We'll be reading it, of course, for the show. But in terms of my personal collection, we'll see. Right. Like, folks, we had at least three to like, Spidey books. Some of you might know three to five Spidey books a month back in the day. Oh, I mean, we're, yeah. If, if Roddy Cat is specifically referring to the titles across the line, not just amazing. Right. You know, like, spectacular I'm talking back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're spectacular web. Um, Marvel team up to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, you know, and then obviously there've been other, uh, 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 shorter run titles like, uh, um, uh, not spectacular, but like, uh, no, like it was a friendly neighborhood. Right. 
and Peter Parker Spectacular as opposed to just Spectacular yeah, and that was later, but, so yeah. on and so forth. So. Right, because we had Amazing, Spectacular, and then Web all at the same time. And, uh, right, and like that was the said. first run, right? Mm-hmm. That was the first kind of big Spidey group. Uh, but, you know, it was it was originally, I think, Amazing Marvel Team-Up and Spectacular. Those were like the first three uh, kind of Spidey titles that were uh, put together. Team up went away, but then Web kind of came in as another Spidey title. Right, and I believe that was around the time of um, Craig's Last Hunt. No, it was before that because Web what came that? in. Web came in right after Secret Wars because of the black costume. Okay, because I could have sworn because I know, but Web was, but Craven's Last Hunt did run through Web. Yes, but yeah. Web existed, before, you know, well before that. Like, okay. it had a decent run before that. That's my point. Okay, I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, hey. just, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, uh, it's just a matter of putting it into the proper timeline. Sure. I remember Web starting up after uh, Secret Wars. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Hey, a lot of books, folks, and, and a lot of times yeah. we're old. Yeah, yeah uh, exactly. Some, exactly. Some us, we like, could do a whole show. We we, honestly, we week. could do an evergreen show on the evolution of the Spotty line. Oh, God. <laughs> we could we could you're right very much could. we could do a series of shows on it that, that, yeah that's true uh but that being said folks like i said uh the, 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 the say all that to say that yeah this isn't we're no strangers to them having a lot of spidey and in and uh in in a month's time much less you know a single title exactly so um yeah well this is where we are back again. So uh, we're going to move on because that's pretty much it. We actually went longer than on that one than what, <laughs> honestly we was probably next. Yeah, that and what was actually necessary for that issue, honestly, um, given what was in it. So let's go on into a related character uh, who actually shows up in the well, a, well, kind of shows up in the book. Black Cat number nine. Black Cat number nine is written by Jed McKay with art by C.F. Via, colors by Brian Reber, and letters by Ferron Delgado. It is nice to see this creative team stick together. Mm-hmm. And take it away, Roddy Cat. So, um, basically, I have not been been reading the uh infinite destinies uh annuals that have been coming out in fact one came out this week which uh agent 70 would get to uh one uh later on uh but this uh this issue kind of feels like okay like they're they're sticking her with it because she in one of those annuals was actually hers so she's got another big score going on and and it's just as big as stuff and i don't remember her explanation when she was explaining to star who shows up in this book. So it's no spoiler cause she's on the cover. Um, her, or at least what she wanted star to know about her plans and who she was working with. I don't remember the person she was talking about being involved with this, uh, involved with this, or if that was part of the ruse or not. Uh, uh it's hard to say at this point because, right. uh, we'll see how this plays out because what we've grown accustomed to, with McKay's run on Black Cat runs on Black Cat, but we we'll consider it one extended run over a couple of volumes of yes. Black Cat. Okay, mm-hmm. so what we've become accustomed to is Felicia Hardy running a scam slash caper, and these 
are multi-leveled, multi-layered plans, and we don't necessarily know how they how everything fits together until the end. And sometimes things go awry, and Felicia has to um, adapt and overcome and uh, be really flexible if you know as, as things start to blow up around her. Mm-hmm. But in this case, you know, at the end of the last issue, we find that she is breaking uh, Star out of uh, some forced captivity that Nick Fury Jr. put her in to put to get the, a plan in motion uh, to deal with. Uh, and this is broad strokes. This is not necessarily the biggest spoiler because this has been revealed in solicitations and in other books that there is that there are humans who have been uh, who, who have become hosts to the infinity jo- infinity gems slash stones and uh, become bonded to them. One of them being Star, who is uh, joined with the reality gem, and in this case. Uh, Felicia breaks her out of this captivity more than likely with, uh, I wanted to say Sam Jackson, more than likely <laughs> with Nick Fury Jr.'s uh, permission to get this party started and try to get um, and try to uh, find some of the other um, wielders slash possessors slash beings who are in possession uh, are uh, who are conjoined with uh, these infinity gems slash stones forgive me folks i still have problems calling them infinity stones when we're talking about comics yes because we know them as well, gems <laughs> right and so what we know is uh, felicia has to do a lot of convincing because she is not uh anywhere close to uh, a star's power level and she has to do some convincing in this issue uh to try to get uh star to follow along maybe not necessarily maybe comply is the best word because she's not exactly following ex- everything that uh felicia wa- felicia wants her to do but at least get her to comply w- with the general idea of uh, of, of the plan mm-hmm. and the and this issue also features Felicia going after a second Mark, as it were, who is um, uh, oh, what is this guy's code name? Uh, is it Overdrive? Not Overdrive. Overdrive is this. Overtime. Overtime. Yes. Is it Overtime? I believe it is. Yeah. 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 As a matter of fact, it is uh, Overtime. Yes, it is Overtime. Right. It's Overtime uh, because it's sudden death. Ha ha. Very funny. And. Um, you know, and and this is the uh, this is the gentleman who has been uh, connected to or or linked with the time gem stone. Right, and again, and, as before, I just have to go on. Like this, the reason why I mentioned in, in Infinite Destiny is because these these folks shown up in there, and that is still an ongoing uh, arc event, whatever you want to call it, uh, going on right now. Right. Interestingly, I'll tell you, and this is not a spoiler for the Miles Morales Spider Man Annual. But the Infinite Destiny stories in those annuals are legitimate, legitimate backup stories. Mm-hmm. They are not front and center. They often do not uh, interact at all with the uh, main story in the annual. Oh, the the Nick Fury one? Correct. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the stuff is going to uh, culminate in a big, giant-sized black cat that I believe was announced in today's or this, or, or for the 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 um, 
the the roughly final, not final, but the roughly final solicitations for Marvel for November 2021. I believe it is final, you know. Um, and that makes more sense given, because I, I, who have not been reading those, knowing that she hasn't, she was a part of that, um, I was like, okay, that seems kind of weird that, one, those are going on, and two, she's a part of it. But now that the fact that that's been folded into this, it makes more sense now. It makes a little bit more sense now that if it's going to come out, culminate into that, it's like, okay, sure. Cause we knew she had a big score to going on and, and is involving these people. And, you know, now whether the other people that uh, are involved that have been involved with the infinite destinies, uh, these, I, I feel like calling them one shots is probably <laughs> just as legit than, than the annuals. Um, but, it, most of those people will come back together for this, then we, I guess we'll see. And actually, I, I need to catch up on those just to see what's going on with them. And even with Star herself, like, I know of the character. I don't know that much about her. I didn't even know she was bonded to the reality zone and uh, Jim until this thing. Because, like, the last couple of times she's shown up, I have not read, including the, the Captain Marvel, the the Spider-Man annual, or her own miniseries. Right, or the King in Black stuff, too, right. because she did show up in that, so... Okay. So, But, yeah, but this, again, you know, um, Black Cat is as fun of an issue. Now, oh, I guess the one thing, the last thing I'll say in passing on this one is, like, it's kind of funny because you don't normally see Felicia pull the same uh, the same ruse twice uh, during the course of this thing, and the fact that she did it twice in one issue, or she's trying to twice in one issue, is kind of amusing to me. Um, now whether it plays out the same, we don't know because, like I said, we didn't, we never saw the, we don't see, obviously, that how it plays out because you know it kind of starts up just like it did last issue with uh with Star, so. But yeah, right. always fun. But definitely, regardless, of what I say that to say an approach, fun. right? It's definitely an approach that she talks about in the story, though, mm-hmm. when it comes to someone of her power level having to deal with someone on a much much higher power level. Right. Like she changed some different things going into the second time she pulled it, but, uh, you know, but, uh, the, 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 the same rules is, rules is still going on. So yeah, it's kind of the same premise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. The same premise. Okay. But yeah, but so, yeah it's still fun. So yeah. President Bartlett. What's next? Uh, you pick a book. Yeah. We read a lot this week. So how about I pick another thing that we read in common and then maybe soon we'll get to rapid fire because we got a lot to go through yep. uh how about kang the conqueror number one how's that oh yeah this will be easy to get through <laughs> all right so this is written by former guests of the comic book chronicles mm-hmm. jackson lansing and colin kelly art is by carlos magno who we last saw i believe on the invaders but i think there was something after that too um Colors are by Espen Grundetjern, and letters are by Visual Calligraphies, our favorite Paisan, Joe Caramagna. Uh, so <clears throat> the short, the 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 long and the short of this one is now we know Kang the Conqueror is um has had a good uh, has had a recent turn in the Loki series. We know he's going to show up in um the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So it's very easy to say that this is why he's got this book right now to kind of catch people up on the fact that, hey, he exists and give a little backstory on um, on his character. And this is kind of what we get here. Um, as I say in my notes, um, 
um, which might actually end up being the the title of this um the, this episode, back down memory Kang, mm. because we see um uh we we see a a, a young Nathaniel Richards uh uh who's narrating this get met up by um an already version of Kang who essentially so. And I'm happy for this because now that um, 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 uh, Agent Seventy can get this reference, he basically was taken uh, taken to get trained like Piccolo did Gohan in the beginning of uh, Dragon Ball Z. In a sense. In a sense, yes. In a sense, because it's not exactly a one to one, but I understand. No. Yeah, but it's but it is kind of like that, and I, and uh, um, I don't know if that was intentional or maybe that's just me projecting it. But regardless, if it, it feels that. That was, uh, um, for that. Now, to what end outside of, you know, that for the readers, we don't, we do not know. We do, wait, we do know how many issues this is? Is it four? I'm sorry? Do we know how many issues this is? This is going to be? Um, that is an excellent question. I did not make note of it. Yeah, because I don't think I saw a... Of what? Of what? For this one. And sometimes they do that, even though we know it's going to be a, a, a thing. So that's... Right. I want to say it's a five-issue series. Um, well... But I'm going off of... I'm going off of a, a distant memory at this point. Uh, Yeah, it looks like one of five, according to... Comic there Comic it is. See? Our memory is not that bad, folks. Well, normally... Yeah, and, and normally... Normally it is. That's what Roddy Cat's trying to say. Exactly. Normally, normally it there is. is. But sometimes there have been right. like four or three, depending on what it is. I feel like this... I don't know. At this point, I feel like four would probably serve it, but we don't know where it's going. So, right. You know. Right. So, yeah. I am going to note in my notes that it is one of five. Okay. All right. Um, but the, um, but the end result, I mean, but we basically see like a retelling of um, Kang's or parts, a part of uh, Kang's backstory. Uh, and this is going to be a trip down his backstory for the most part, especially given, you know, going into the next, what we see going into the next uh, issue. Not, not surprised, like I said, because this is, I feel like this is mainly in service of catching people up who don't know newer readers, newer, uh, newer, uh, Marvel readers of Kang who may probably just know Kang of more recent shows in the comics and, or the MCU stuff. That's, that's, that's that they're setting up up for now. Honestly, I think this is for everyone to try to set everyone on the same, uh, you know, give everyone the same amount of knowledge because there is a ton of Kang stuff in the Marvel comic book universe, sure. the, the 616, that is disparate, scattered, and far and far apart in time. So you're saying you they're know, trying to I'll solidify you, him? What's that? So you're saying they're trying to solidify his backstory a little bit more? Oh, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. To try to make it, to try to put it into one neat package so that everyone can go off of the same uh, information because uh, we all know that the, the Kang story has been uh adjusted here and tweaked there uh everything from him being a descendant of either reed richards or dr doom we find out here we actually are getting somewhat of a definitive answer yes here in this first issue to that question we also will be seeing one version of kang uh the, uh definitely in the next issue as we see in the um cliffhanger 
at the you know uh, on the cliffhanger page at the end of this issue mm-hmm. we're also likely to see since we're getting a young kang at some point we may absolutely see iron lad in young avengers you know we'll we'll maybe get to that point in this story because that's what this reminded me of when we're dealing with like a future kang going back to try to change things or mm-hmm. do things in the past yeah, I kind of. It, it feels like they're definitely set under the fact that he we're going through the major parts of uh, Kang's backstory. Like we've already got his uh, Nathaniel Richards. Technically, this is a different Kang than the beginning of this. I guess if what happens in the begin in, in the, the in the midst of the story is to be, you know, um, to be. But we know also there are various uh, bunches of stories, a bunch, bunches of versions of Kang anyway. So to, to the relevancy there is whatever, but yeah, we're definitely going through the, the major parts of, um, Kang's, uh, history and his, uh, different iterations. Yeah. I, and I thought about the iron lad thing also because of that, like, yeah, it's, it's quite possible that we're going to see something on that. And that is, which is also could be a thing they could be setting up for, I mean, not within this, but, um, you know, they'll be using this rumors. to set that up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially in the MCU. Yes, to set, yeah, to set that up in the MCU because mm-hmm. you want something scary before we move on. Because you know, you covered you covered this issue. I don't have too much to add to it. Yeah, uh, I'm going to give you because I pulled up uh, the first appearance of the Young Avengers uh, on my iPad through a uh, handy dandy Marvel Unlimited, who is not a sponsor of our show, but we like to talk about it because it is a big, useful tool. It is a handy resource. You know what year this was released? What's that? 2005. Damn, that checks out. Damn, that's a long time ago, and it feels like it was just yesterday. Yeah. The and wait, who was the who was the creative team on that? Jim Heinberg on scripts and Jim Chung on art. And that was the Young Avengers. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading that joint like, um, uh, like, okay, this is, you know, let's see what this is about. And yeah, I, I remember uh, a lot of that. And that, I think that was, yeah, that was going into uh, children's story or uh, children's crusade and all that kind of stuff, which I still, man, if we had a, if we had an evergreen episode to go through, um, that would probably be one at some point. Yeah. Did I say, did I, what did I say his first name was? It's Alan Heinberg. I don't, I, I don't want to yeah. misstate. If I said Jim, I'm, I'm, you know, it's Jim Chung as on art, but, and he's a co-creator and the penciler, but it's Alan Heinberg as the writer. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Regardless. Yeah. We we got it. It's all good. Um, so yeah. So, so yeah, it's, it's definitely, you know, I, I look back on this now. I'm like, yeah, we're actually updating Kang's origin. And, and as you said, unifying things and solidifying it for future reference, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, and current reference <laughs> mm-hmm. uh in that and actually you know i totally forgot to put up the thing so we're going to put up here king the conqueror's covers but we're going to go swiftly on to the next book in fact i guess we can go on to um rapid fire at this point unless you got something you really really want to um pop out there no i'm good we can move on all right rapid fire, what's next oh we're rapid fire we're gonna spit it up sure all right, sounds good to me. I ain't got time to bleed. Uh, yeah, we both got a, a few, and we've uh, we've uh, still have a couple in common. So I'm gonna let you kind of lead the way, and I'll chime in whenever. 
Okay, so I will start with uh, my first book. It's called Eat the Rich, not the Aerosmith song from 1993, but uh, in fact, the title of a new limited series, a five-issue limited series from Boom Studios. Uh, It's written by Sarah Gailey with art by Pius Bach. That is, uh, believe it or not, a Lithuanian name. Um, colors are by Roman Titov or Titov. I think it's Titov actually. There was a there was a, a hockey player named Herman Titov or German Titov. So I think it's Roman Titov. And letters are by Cardinal Ray. So the premise of the story really rang a bell. Really, uh, you know, hit me a little close to home because it's about a couple. Uh, who are going back to visit the the young man's family. It's the the young lady who is our point of view character. And uh, this couple is um, going going home after, I I presume, a spring semester of law school. They, you know, they had to get through, um, you know, I don't know if they're ready to graduate. It seems like they're just finishing their second year because they're not studying to take the bar just yet. And um, they're going back to meet the boy, the the young man's parents, and his family's wealthy, and uh, this young lady is not, and she is worried about how she's going to fit in, and uh, she talks about how you know she's had to learn how to get in, uh, and, and and try to talk and and hobnob and so and, and socialize and uh, that awful word network amongst people who are living in a much different world than she and her family live in. And, uh, you know, everything from summer parties to having uh, help in the home and having palatial estates. And there is uh, obviously a very big secret that is that is uh, hinted at in the title of this story. There are some really great horror beats that the that the creative team puts in that you know all of this is uh included talking about this the writing and the art and the colors and even the lettering there are a lot of great uh ways that these different aspects of the story integrate and set a great horror scene and 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 allow this horror story to unfold so this is a really uh uh you know, it was a gripping story. I kind of got a kick out of it because it did, as I say, as I said earlier, um, it did hit me a little close to home as someone who's had to try to um, uh, at least mingle with people who just live in a different world, especially here in New York City. So um, it was a very interesting read and um, it's not a click of the week, but definitely something I'll recommend. Interesting. Next up is Guardians of the Galaxy. It's written by Al Ewing with art by Juan Fregueri, colors by Federico Blee, and letters by VC's Corey Pettit. So um, we are neck deep in this latest um, cosmic battle. Uh, that is ne- that is uh, the now called the last annihilation, and we have this story obviously from the Guardians of the Galaxy's perspective, 
as multiple fronts in this war with uh, Dormammu and the Dark Dimension have popped up all across the universe, or at least this galaxy. And we see the Guardians, along with Dr. Victor Von Doom, put together a logical or at least plausible explanation for what Dormammu is up to. And it turns out Dormammu is steps, multiple steps ahead of the Guardians as they're looking to try to thwart Dormammu. Dormammu has already cut them off, beat them to the pass almost at every turn. And we also find out that Dr. Doom can't help but be Dr. Doom. Of course. <laughs> Always got his contingencies and his own his own plans here. I was going right, to make up a... right and his and his own uh and his own um intentions. Right. I was going to make a uh Dormammu is a uh ahead of the game uh joke, but you kind of beat me to it with what you just said. <laughs> Especially given with what happens at the end of this issue. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So so ultimately what we get is um okay yeah ultimately what we get is um at the end of this uh a a pretty interesting cliffhanger reveal and we also have appear uh apparently the reappearance of one uh nathan day spring summers who's who's new um whose reappearance in uh, the Marvel Universe proper, outside of uh, Krakoa, outside of his uh, most recent series in Krakoa, on that was based on Krakoa, um, he's going to make his uh, big appearance in this storyline uh, in the next chapter of the storyline coming out next week. Right, it's specifically a more classic version because, as we've seen with Rev, uh, the most recent uh, issue of Cable, yeah, like old Cable is basically back in play. Um, right. so yeah, we'll see. But wielding, wielding the light of Galador. Mm-hmm. So they're just going to tease the people who love the Space Knights. <laughs> yeah, I meant to ask you how you felt about that last I- issue of um, uh, Cable coming out of that it's, part. It's an awful tease. <laughs> an awful tease. But at the same time, I understand because that's the extent of what they can do with the proprietary intellectual property that they have. Right. <laughs> you know, they can talk about Galador, they can't talk about a specific Space Knight. But they damn sure did, um... <laughs> they damn sure did tease, as you say, because that one Space Knight that did show up was very reminiscent of, of uh, the classic one. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Alright, next up, speaking of an armored character. Mm-hmm. Iron and Man space. number 11. Written by Christopher Cantwell, not the one that Roddy Cat dislikes, <laughs> but the one that does um, that does uh, popular culture things. Um, art by on uh, art by on hell. My my, I left out a letter in my typing here. Art by on hell Unzueta. Colors are by Frank Darmada, and letters again by our favorite Python from Visual Calligraphy, Joe Caramagna. He's a busy dude, this guy. So we find out, and Roddy Cap mentioned this earlier, so we have to give him credit, that this entire side mission that Tony Stark has been on has been what Dragon Ball fans will understand to be a 
filler story arc. It is a side mission in the truest sense, where Iron Man is basically transported away from the mission that he was on to try to uh, head Korvac off at the pass before they get to Tatu, Galactus's world ship. He is spirited away from that group. Um, no real reference to uh, um, uh, the Spirited Away movie. movie. But, yes. um, but ultimately what we have is... This side quest with Stiltman of all people, who is, in essence, what we find out over the course of several issues. It's, this is not a one or two issue story. This is a several issue story. Um, it's like four. I think this is. Th- yeah, I was about like to say it's four. Four. Yeah. four is a lot for a small for a for a side story. It's not like a three story. Uh, it's not a three issue story. It's a four issue story, mm. and we see uh, the. We see Iron Man see through the the uh, the scheme and the plans that Stiltman had laid out to try to make himself out to be the big hero, and um, you know ultimately at the end of this we get oh I forget the term for this we get the appearance of uh, a Marvel not a familiar not an elemental. But like an abstract, I think it's an abstract. Sure, it's an abstract entity. One of which I could have sworn this entity was whatever passes for deceased for those for those cosmically uh, cosmically powered folks. I don't remember. Roddy Cat could very well be right, but we do get the appearance of this. Um, uh, cosmic abstract i i'm not 100 percent sure what the correct term is but i think that's what it is for you know uh for for a, a being of this power level and magnitude and um kind of playing the role of the watcher uh you know being the deus ex machina to get the story move along moving it's, along because right. we have to get a way to put iron man back into the fight and magically he's so. back in the fight at the end of the story well, not even back in the fight, but pretty much in the fight by himself. Because basically, um, uh, during the he's actually fight, ahead. Of, he may be ahead of the. Fight. He is That's very much ahead of the fight, right? Because what I was about to say was like, so Iron Man had a team of folks that went out in space to follow Korvac, uh, who was headed to Tile Two Galactus's home ship, uh, to, to get whatever um, Korvac was going to get. The team was kind of already in half. Well, pretty much there. Like, like they got a, they 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 got him spotted, and actually, no, they got there before Kovac. Now that I think about it, it sounds like, um, and uh, and in this, you know, t- uh, Tony gets uh gets gets wind of that through through Patsy, uh, Patsy Walker, Hellcat, um, and you know, of course, he has feelings about that because you know, it's you know, da 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 da, and like uh, like like uh, Agent Seventy said, yeah, he at the end of the, he kind of gets magically um, ported. And before them, well, ahead of them, even uh, uh, in that part, and therein getting back into the main part of the story uh, and ending this filler arc. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much the gist of this. Um, like we're we're finally back into the I guess the, the main part of this uh this joint. Um, and we'll All see right. where it goes after this one. 
Okay, uh, moving on. Next up is Marauders number 23 with art. With uh, It's written by Jerry Duggan, I'm sorry. With art by Ivan Fiorello. Oh, jeez. Fiorelli. Oh, my typing. Uh, put a U in here that did not belong. It's a much more simple Fiorelli. Uh, colors by Rain Barreto and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So this is the fallout from events of the Hellfire Gala, specifically uh, things that we saw at the tail end of that Hellfire Gala wrap-up. Um, the Marauder has been uh, wrecked, so uh, shipments of Krakoan medicines have been stymied and limited, and so the prices for what is in stock around the world in the Krakoan warehouses have gone up. And, of course, the criminal element has decided to try to pounce on these storehouses, on these warehouses, storing valuable Krakoan medicines. Um, what's interesting about this is we get the appearance of several newer or different characters let's say different characters mm. to the pages of this book that we have not seen previously associated with the marauders right. namely sean cassidy aka banshee who is thankfully resurrected i'm glad to see banshee flying around in the land of the living as opposed to being kind of a, zo a walking zombie as they these they've all they've often treated him since he got killed off yeah that was a weird uh, you know in the mid mid two thousands, I think, the mid mid aughts. I wow, think he's he's been gone for a while. Yeah. So, but they were bringing him back as like a zombie at one point. But um, you know, we get uh, Emma Frost leading. Oh, uh, well, not leading because the I think the leader of this Marauder group is in fact the Red Queen, aka Kate Pride, with uh, Lockheed in tow. But we also get uh, Tempo and um, Jumbo Carnation. Yes, Jumbo Carnation. I was <laughs> going to say the fashion guy. Mm -hmm. So this is definitely um, a ragtag group of uh, mutants who are uh, front and center in this Marauders book as they deal with the riffraff who are trying to make off with or destroy the Krakoan medicines in. And of course, because it's Banshee, it has to be an Irish warehouse a warehouse located in ireland right because uh banshee was the one who called in emma which i now were you aware of banshee and emma's familiarity with each other before now generation x oh that would explain that because i don't think yeah i don't think i've ever read that generation x they were co-headmasters of uh, the Xavier, uh, what was it? Was it the Xavier Institute? I think it was the Xavier Institute. Gotcha. When you know when they sent when that, in that spinoff in the in the early nineties with Generation X when they sent Jubilee off to to go to school and that's where they introduced Sync and M and um, uh, Skin and that whole group. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, they were they were co headmasters of the school, so they definitely are on familiar, if not friendly, terms. Mm -hmm. Oh, and lastly, we get the we get the um, the comeuppance of that little side story with the cuckoos and one of the members of the um, 
the Hominus Verendi. Yeah. So we get, you know, we get, we get some, uh, we get some uh, closure to that particular story. Cool. And that's where we end with that. Next, uh, do you have anything uh, else to add on that? Nope. All right. Next up is Miles Morales Spider-Man Annual Number One. Uh, it's written by Saladin Ahmed, with art by Luca Maresca. Colors are by Fernando Cifuentes of Proto Bunker, and letterer and and letters are by VCs Corey Pettit. So. This is a nice little uh, kind of one-off story that explains a lot more of Amulet's backstory. We don't get a lot of that in the pages of Miss Marvel. He does. He has appeared a few times in the pages of Miss Marvel, mm-hmm. but in essence, we get a bit more fleshing out of his backstory and origin in the pages of this annual. He and Spidey team up to take down some more of these um magic based um uh, uh demons that are basically uh part of amulet's origin it is not uh a, a story that's concluded here in a sense because the threat is ongoing so you know it's not like they solve uh amulet's problem here in the story it's still going to be ongoing so we're going to see him pop up uh to deal with this going forward more than likely in the pages of miss marvel um there is no as what i was going to say is there is no connection to the infinity stones or this infinite destinies uh crossover in this story which is weird considering it has the um the, the banner on top that's where the backup story comes in as i said earlier when we were talking about black cat the backup stories in these annuals that are labeled that are that, that are labeled with that banner infinite destinies are the tie-in story and it's these backup stories that uh, involve uh without spoiling it for Roddy Cat because I know he wants to try to catch up there is someone who is looking to gather a source of power or sources of power to try to recreate a reality that he feels is was robbed that he, that, that he was robbed of or was was taken from him. Oh, that old chestnut. Exactly. Mm. And that's the that's the impetus behind part of this Infinite Destiny story. Gotcha. So the only thing I have to say about this is like, so Amulet is a solid and Ahmed uh, uh, creation, so no surprise that he's showing up here. It is slightly a surprise to me that we're getting a little bit more backstory here as opposed to Miss Marvel, but we also know Miss Marvel does not have a book out just yet. Uh, in fact, as, as we found out last week, uh, it has been delayed a couple of months. So not surprising that it showed up and it's good to see this character showing up in other, in other places, but it's also, you know, like I said, it is his crea- creation. So, or, you know, part of his creation, cause I can't remember who, we, um, also co-created this character with him. Uh, but that's all. There it is. All right. Next up is, did you read Moon Knight number two? I did. Moon Knight number two is written by Jed McKay with art by Alessandro Cappuccio. Um, Oh, man, my typing must have been. I I was doing this over lunch, and I must have been eating and typing at the same time. I'm I'm looking at all these type, like rampant typos. They're subtle typos. 
yeah, cappuccino, but it looks like I hit like an extra key as I was finishing this. Uh, so it's Alexa- Alessandro Cappuccino. Colors are by Rochelle Rosenberg. And letters are by VCs Corey Pettit again. Look at that. Someone else from Visual Calligraphy getting their lettering in this week. Oh, he gets a so, couple in this week. What's that? Uh, he gets a couple in this week. There you go. So this is a direct continuation of the story that we saw in the first issue of Moon Knight. Uh, Mr. Knight is uh, the, the, the self-appointed protector of these night travel of, of anyone traveling at night. And uh, he's dealing with lots of supernatural stuff. It's a re- it's a real hearkening back to his origins, dealing with werewolves and vampires and whatnot. Lots of the supernatural. In this issue, his um, his, uh, his 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 aid is needed by, or, or at least uh, supposedly needed by a neighbor. But it turns out to be guess what, folks? Admiral Akbar. Knows exactly what it is. It's a trap. But it turns out Mr. Knight is able to deal with this trap effectively and gets his way out of it by um, opening up his mind. Yes. You know, uh, it's not the, you know, it, it reminded me of something. There's another pop culture thing. Is like, uh, you know, there's there have been other pop culture instances where the character says, you want to, you know, you want to take over my mind. It's not a pretty place. Mm-hmm. And, and that's exactly what plays out here. You awesome. know, this is not a Charles Xavier level telepath by any exactly. means. I was about to say, also, it felt like it was like when he, when he got to the part where he was like, yeah, you want to get into my own. It's, it's very alien. I was like, wait, does this have to do with like the King and black symbiote stuff? Like, is it, we're going back to that again when he got to that. Um, but I don't think so. Mm-mm. No, I mean, at the end of the day, it's still dealing with Conchu. Sure. You know, it's still dealing with all the stuff, all the all the fallout from that Jason Aaron story in Avengers. Mm-hmm. That's where this, you know, that's where a lot of this uh, follows from. And, um, you know, we get a little, you know, th- there's a little bit of uh, character development with his assistant who is now a vampire. Which and... I don't know if we got that last uh, issue or not. We did? Because I don't remember yep. that. Yep, 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 we did. And uh, we also get another um, mysterious figure observing Moon Knight from a distance. Right. And so that also that came is out last year, to, last issue. Right, that, exactly. That's going to be developing, uh, you know, in the next several issues. So the only thing I got to say about this before we go on is, like, the way Moonlight handled it. I'm sitting, like, especially in the in the time of COVID, I'm like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> Like, why would you do that? <laughs> there surely there was a, well, I mean, given the nature of uh, the the person behind this this uh, the immediate things power set, like, okay, sure, it, there there had to have been some contact, but I'm saying, like, did you really have to do that that way? <laughs> and that's all I say about that. If you want to know what happened over that, you can read it for yourself. I agree with Roddy Cat on this one. That was. <laughs> You know, given given the, the the state of our public health these days, it was jarring to see something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, we would not have had that kind of reaction a year and a half ago, two years ago. Exactly. It would have been gross, but we would have been like, okay, yeah, exactly. So right next on. up for me, believe it or not, is a DC book. It's Nightwing number eighty three. 
It's written by Tom Taylor with art by Bruno Redondo, colors by Adriano Lucas, and letters by Wes Abbott. So this is another chapter in the story of Nightwing's return to Bloodhaven. Bloodhaven. And uh, Nightwing looking to reassert his character both in his civilian guise as Dick Grayson and in his costumed guise as Nightwing. So the bulk of this story is about Nightwing dealing with the ramifications of of the discovery last issue of a long unknown family relation that is going to prove to be tricky to deal with in Bluthaven. The other part of this book deals with the revelation that we found out in recent issues that Dick Grayson is now richer than Bruce Wayne because he is a billionaire who inherited the billions that Alfred Pennyworth apparently had as a result of what he inherited from, you know, what he was gifted by the Waynes and what he was able to invest over the years as Bruce Wayne was growing up. You know, presumably he had shares of Wayne Enterprises as well right. and Wayne Industries. So he turned into a billionaire himself. And so uh, Dick Grayson has all these billions and is looking to do something positive. And, and it turns out, and I like the idea that um, Tom Taylor put this particular um, caveat in where Nightwing actually goes to Superman for advice. And uh, Nightwing says that what he wants to do might seem too small. He's worried that it might seem too small. And Superman says it's not small, it's focused. And that's an important distinction mm-hmm. because trying to sol- solve every problem is, is obviously virtually impossible, right? Even Superman can't do that. But what Nightwing and his newly found billions can do is focus in on a couple of problems and try to solve those. And that's what he's looking to try to do with a new foundation that he starts. Um, We also get um, a hint of uh, a rekindled romance. Uh, Fans of the new Teen Titans will not be pleased with this, but longtime fans of Robin, the character, will be. Um, Hmm. Also say that uh, we have the developments of a future uh, future villain intervention in Dick Grayson's attempt to try to do good in Bloodhaven at the end of the issue. So he's a rich dick, just not a rich dick. Oh no! Anyway, moving on. Well, I was gonna say, uh-huh. um, I was gonna say, I know this is not the first time that Nightwing or Robin or Dick Grayson, I guess specifically, has gone to Superman about a, a about a thing because I do remember that's coming up in a couple times in the past. So that's always kind of cool to see. But also that you know, Dick could do much more with his millions than Bruce has been doing. <clears throat> exactly. So exactly, exactly. So. Uh, last but not least, and I was surprised that Roddy Cat did not get to this, so I do not want to spoil it. To me, it was the big book of the week. And I'm talking about X-Men, True. The Trial of Magneto, number one of five. It's written by Leah Williams, with art by Lucas Wernick, 
Colors are by Edgar Delgado, and letters are by VCs Clayton Cowles. So, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. It happened a while ago now. Several months ago now, actually. Actually, no. no a couple months month. ago. Several is too many. Yeah, it was only like last month, realistically. Because it happened at the end of the gala, which was last month. Okay. Uh, yeah. Our, like I said, our sense of time is skewed, folks. Yeah. So, um, well, I'll, you know what it is, is because we've gotten several issues referencing it. Exactly. And it makes it feel longer. You're right. Yeah. They, they, even in this week's uh, Marauders, they even referenced it. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Um, you know, there's a couple of other X books out this week. Uh, the finale of Way of X has actually ended this week with mm. number five, as well as X Corp number four is out also this week. Which is but probably going to end at X-Corp... some point soon. What's that? Which is, which is probably going to end somewhat soon, I suspect. Probably, but uh, but but the the X book I read, the other X book I read this week, in, 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 including. Uh, in addition to Marauders, number 23 was X-Men Trial of Magneto because we're getting into the after effects of what happened at the end of the Hellfire Gala. I'm going to ring the spoiler bell just in case you don't know what happened at the end of the Hellfire Gala in three, two, one. You're going to have to fast forward if you don't want to know what happened at the end of the Hellfire Gala and why there is a potential Trial of Magneto. So, again, I'm not spoiling anything for Roddy Cat here, at least story-wise. Right. But we get the investigation into what happened to Wanda Maximoff, the Scarlet Witch. X-Factor's on the case. In addition to X-Force, who who were in charge of security during the Hellfire Gala on Krakoa, as well as several members of the X-Men, the, you know, the newly formed X-Men team, you know, who are the, the superheroes of Krakoa. The investigation plays out similar to CSI, Law and Order, um, even Aragorn tracking down Merry and Pippin when they're dragged off by the orcs before they run off into Fangorn Forest. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you're playing uh, Comic Book Chronicles Bingo, you, you have to mark out your spot where, where Agent 70 uh, references the Lord of the Rings. There you go. Congratulations. <laughs> so we just need to hit Harry Potter and you get Bingo. So. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so um, we that's one aspect of the story. We also get another aspect of the story where there's some argument over um, resurrecting uh, Wanda. And believe it or not, she actually has backups. And the story goes, at least to this point, is that Pietro and Wanda were, quote, unquote, fooling Cerebro into thinking they were mutants. I'm like, okay. Which has come up before with Franklin Richards, in a way. Yeah, but Fra- yeah, but no, but Franklin had mutant powers, and then he didn't. 
Well, yeah, yeah, or, that was the retcon, but 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 their justification was the fact that well, no, no, no he was because of his power set, he was fooling Cerebro up until recently, you know. So at this point, Cerebro has some backup, and um, you know, some people are lobbying for, many are lobbying against. Mm-hmm. I'm actually surprised by the people who are lobbying against. And ultimately, um, when we get to the end of this issue, the heroes, the 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 heroes of the the Marvel universe, at least the Avengers, have been informed of uh, what happened to the Scarlet Witch. The you know we're dealing with a lot of the, um, the fallout amongst the mutants on Krakoa, with uh, with regards to the death of the quote unquote pretender. You know, not everybody's sad. Lots of people are happy. And cliffhanger, this is comics after all. Do characters really die? So we've, we know there's something at the end of the issue teasing what may be happening going forward. But we will see it's only the first issue of five. So a couple of things on that. So, that, yeah, so this has been a thing that's been building up for the, for the last month or two, as Agent 70 said. And... um the whole there were there's a couple of things here, I guess, because yeah, like they've been building it up, building it up, building it up, but like we never got anything. So yeah, so this is one of the books that I kind of wanted to get to this week because I this is the, the 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 thing I've been most curious about, but because of the fact that I wanted to catch up in order just in case there was some kind of through through line as the X books have been doing, uh, I didn't get the chance to get to this one. That being said, the whole was based on what Agent Seventy just said, like. Ooh, if folks did not know, Wanda's kind of been per, kind of persona no, grata, grata in Krakoa. Like they've they've all but spit at her name every time they've said it. A lot of people have, you know, in saying her name because of going back to House of M. Because that's still, you know, that is still in in Mutant's mind. So I'm actually kind of surprised that there are people that are for her resurrection, and I'm also slightly surprised that they even had uh, backups for her and Pietro. So, like I said, that's a weird, that was a weird little twist that uh, Leah Williams threw in there. Right. So now I'm even more curious to to, to read this when I get a chance to. Uh, that being said, so, but yeah, I think that was pretty much all I had to say about that because like I said, I didn't get a chance to read it. So, right, and I do I did my best not to spoil too much. You'll yeah. see how a lot of this stuff plays out. Yeah, I mean, and from even from what you said, like a lot of it was already kind of well, some of it was kind of out or teased or something, you know, not surprising or not outside of the realm of what could happen. Put it that way. Mm-hmm. So exactly. All right. You are up. So I only have a couple. Um, so this will, this will go by pretty briefly. First one is gamma flight. Number three, uh, with the writing, or excuse me, the creative team of, as I get to the cover up, uh, we have Al Ewing and Crystal Frazier doing the writing. Um, art by Lan Medina, color artist Antonio Fabella, and uh, letters by VCs Joe Sabino. I don't know if Agent 70 has plans to read this or not. How do you? I skim, I skimmed it, but I I haven't really been keeping up with the book. Sure, 
This is a this so is a, feel free to feel free to spoil. Yeah, there's not much to, to spoil. So basically, this is a mini series, uh, the, the kind of broken off from uh, Immortal Hulk because Gamma Flight has been in, all up and through that book in the last couple of volumes, few volumes. Um, and this is pretty much the the, the I guess like I said, this is kind of the team kind of breaking out of that because we know um, Immortal Hulk is ending next issue. If I know it. It is next issue, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, has nothing to do, or has less to do with that, but they're but they're still out there helping gamma powered people in their own while being on the run themselves, uh, and in particularly, uh, they have run across a person that needed some help. Uh, as of last issue, they ended up being transported somewhere else, uh, thanks to uh. A hastily put about plan with from the um, the uh, the crushing uh, crush creel, the absorbing man, uh, and they find themselves uh, fighting off folks that initially look like the a bunch of toxic Avengers, but end up being um, gamma related. But we also get a little bit more back, uh, backstory on the person that they are trying to help. Who has ties to um, a mo- a relatively well a Hulk foe that has shown up in the pages of Immortal Hulk, and uh, in the uh, and uh, I believe this is three of five. I believe it is. So the next couple of issues are going to be the resolution of of that, as it seems. So we can move on to my last book, which is the only other book that wasn't Marvel that I got the chance to, to read this week. Um, no DC for me this week, oddly enough, because I don't remember there being anything I was actually trying to read. Um, maybe there is, regardless. Because uh, I can't remember if I read Shazam last time or not. Regardless, while I'm trying to find the... Time Before Time, number four. Uh, This is a a book by Image Comics. uh, And the creative team is uh, writers uh, Declan Shalvey uh, and Roy McConville. uh, Art by Joe Palmer. Colors by Chris O'Halloran. And letters by Hassan Atsmane Lau. I think that's how you pronounce the name. I am not sure. So I apologize if I butchered your name. So the the, um, uh, the 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 story is like um, there are these uh, consortiums, groups, uh, uh, mafia-like gangsters, whatever the case, that um, can shuttle people to a different time to set up shop, almost like a witness protection type situation, or just to kind of get away. Not necessarily witness witness protection, but just get out of the time frame that this is uh, uh the time that this is in uh and the story centers around one such courier who the couriers of this uh that that are tasked with this job also have debts upon them that they ha- that they're doing this job to um to uh work off but of course with any such thing as their debt is not easily um shaved off uh, so some folks find themselves trying to get away or get out of the uh, get out get away from this life um, by doing the same 
thing that they do for other people. Uh, in this case, uh, this is like the center around a, a character named Tatsuo, um, who tried to uh, enact one such plan, but didn't go quite well as, as what he's planned because he was, um, uh, the, the plan got kind of knocked around by this FBI agent named Nadia Wells, who pretty much hijacked the pod that he, uh, that he was using. They uh, end up crashing and crash landing in another time. And, um, um, uh, 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 there and there's a little bit more to it with this other with this uh, FBI character because she has a um, a reason for uh, hijacking the pod herself, but they end up kind of having to team up with each other for for you know because of this, but they end up uh, in a little bit of trouble because of um, the consortiums the uh, the rival consortiums that uh, they are. One of which works for and uh, work between at different time frames in in the history here, um, and uh, as of last issue, we found that uh, they end up having to um, to uh, not necessarily kidnap, but basically the, um, there was a there was a double agent uh, that was working for one of the syndicates or one working for the syndicate, which is who Tetsuo worked for uh, from a different time frame who was basically trying to, who was working undercover uh, for the rivals, but that cover got blown and she uh, ended up um, trying to take uh, over the situation um, with uh, Tetsuo or trying to do something about the the Tetsuo situation because of what uh, this was doing, what he was doing. Uh, and that didn't work out well for that character. And uh, we come to find out that um, like I said, there, there are some other parties that get involved um, uh, that worked for the, the people that Tetsuo worked for. And uh, at the end of this issue, um, uh, Tetsuo gets, um, gets put back on the job, but in not a very optimal way, let's just say. Uh, so we we will see what will happen with that um, in the next issue. This has been a kind of interesting read. I, I kind of enjoy time travel uh, stories and this one's um, I can't think of anything that's kind of likened to it. That's in popular culture. Like you can kind of probably point to a couple of things here and there, but um, nothing directly. So I'm very, have been kind of curious to see where this uh, story goes at least in the first arc and whether it's going to go anywhere different when it comes out of it, or this is going to be a long reaching, uh, story of, uh, whatever they're trying to do here. But if that's anything I've said about that is interesting to you, then you can check that out. Like I said, time before time by image comics. And that folks are all of my books. So we now we can go to clicks of the week. Clicks of the week. <laughs> All right, so I don't think we have any clicks of the week from our colleagues in Absentia. Nope. So I will go and I'll tell you at least what I'm considering. I haven't finalized my decision, but I will tell you that I am strongly considering Mm -hmm. X-Men, The Trial of Magneto Number 1 as a potential click of the week. I also was a big fan of Kang the Conqueror Number 1. 
Hmm. Um, although it definitely did play out a little bit like um, Young Avengers dealing with a young and old Kang at the same time, but without all the Avengers and the other Young Avengers in play. Sure. Um, like you said, this I could actually, have been something that's probably before that happens. Right. I actually enjoyed Guardians of the Galaxy number 17, too, because I love the interplay between the characters. Yes. So, um, you know, what? I'm, I'm still going to go with X-Men, the trial of Magneto number one. But shout out to those other two for being really strong contenders this week. OK, cool, cool. Yeah, like I said, I'm looking kind of looking forward to reading that because, like I said, as, as you know, I've been curious of, of this what they were going to be to be doing with this uh, for myself, definitely a potential clicker of the week uh, in Spider-Man, Spider-Woman, excuse me, 14. Uh, that was a, a very fun read. Uh, we were talking uh, before the show about the art, which I don't think uh, what we may have mentioned. Uh, I don't know if we actually mentioned that in the course of the show, as opposed to before, but we were talking about the art and the art choices uh, um, that were really, really good. Uh, going into the uh, issue, you might see something of it on uh, new, uh, not news, uh, CB caps soon. Um, I also see a typo that I did off of that one. So great. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy also was actually pretty good too. Um, so I'm actually thinking. Black Cat was also all right, but with that, it is the level of all right that we've already, you know, that we kind of normally associate with it. Like, it, well, actually, I take that even back. Like, we know it's just usually fun, and it was, but, you know, this one was kind of a, um, a baseline, I guess. So, that being said, I think I'm actually am going to go with Spider-Woman number 14, to which I don't think I talked about. I didn't talk about. Son of a biscuit. Only because I mentioned it, I think that's why. Yeah. So let me go ahead and talk about that real quick. So Spider-Woman number 14, um, the uh, writing staff, and that was one of the first books I had, so I don't know how I even skipped that. Um, writer, writer Carla Pacheco, uh, art by Perry Perez, uh, color artist Frank Darmada, letters by VCs Travis Landum. Um... Yeah, and we did talk about this definitely before the show. We didn't talk about this during the show. Um, so uh, at the end of last issue, we found out that uh, once again, uh, Jessica's newly found brother is involved uh, in a in 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 a thing um, for weirdly the same reason as he was before, but for some strange reason. Uh, at the outset of the last arc where that was seemingly taken care of or potentially seemingly taken care of, it wasn't. But we also get to meet, um, to which we had news on this last week, so we knew this this character was coming. A, as I say, we meet Jessica's new fashion-forward, cosplay-friendly Thorin in her, in her side, Rose Roche, um, who is um, definitely... Uh, uh, an antagonist to Jessica Drew's uh, power, uh, well, just Jessica Drew, um, periodly, period. Um, and we also get a sense that she may or may not be um, influencing what Michael ends up, what Michael's involvement and in what um, um, 
what's going on there. But at this point, she's, uh, she's an assistant slash love interest of his, but like I said, I feel like there's a little bit more going on there. And even Jessica says, and it was like, um, uh, you know, there's, you have more hands in this than, 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 than what you're letting on kind of in a way. Uh, but it was an interesting introduction to this character. And, um, we will probably, we're definitely going to see more of her in this arc, if not going forward in this book, we don't, you know, um, but also, we also see a turn by, uh, Jessica Drew's new brother, which I kind of expected would have happened in that last arc, but did not. So the fact that it happened here, not that big of a surprise, but, um, uh, is a thing that happened. So, and it was some good action in that, in that, in that book. And like I said, some of the, uh, artwork choices were, were really great. And that's why it is my click of the week. And there you have it. Uh, now going from that, we can now go to, uh, the new section, but first, uh, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Blue Apron's meal delivery service, Blue Apron. Fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron. Always shipped free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. To place your first order with $30 off... And to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. And as we do um, every week about this time, we start off with the cinematic news. And a lot of it we can kind of blow through. So we'll go start off with Thor Love and Thunder uses brand new technology to bring VFX to life. Uh, So apparently Thor Love and Thunder is using, uh, like I said, uh, some technology used by Satellite Lab, uh, the studio that created the tech for the Valkyrie Hela uh, flashback from 2017's Thor Ragnarok. Um, Love and Thunder, Thunder director Taika YTT spoke with Wired UK about the new tech that uh, Satellite Lab des- the designed for the film, known as Plate Light. Uh, it builds on the studio's Dynamic Light, and uh, this, I feel like there are TMs b- behind both of these, uh, a technique that uses a special rig to move the lighting in a scene at eight times the speed of sound. Uh, so this allows YTT to create the Ragnarok sequence where Loki forces Valkyrie to relive the, the memory of uh, Hela slaughtering her fellow warriors in battle with light moving rapidly over footage shot at 12,000 uh, um, frames per second, giving the scene its unique visual style, which it did. So, cool. Uh, apparently, Black Adam is also going to use this tech. Or is a similar tech, so I guess look out for that. Cool. Next up, though. All right, next up. Forgive me, folks. I am scrolling very slowly through what is a very packed and dense uh, show notes sheet. 
because I closed it by accident because that's what happens when you're closing tabs and you don't realize that you're closing one too many. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. It's scrolling so slowly. Disney CEO defends his uh, Black Widow comments. Um, I scrolled right past it because I went too far. Slow down. Forgive me, folks. Disney CEO defends Black Widow's release strategy amid Scarlett Johansson's lawsuit. Disney's chief executive officer, Bob Chapek, defended the dual release of Black Widow amid Scarlett Johansson's lawsuit against the company. This was during a quarter three earnings call. Chapek stood by the decision to release the movie both in theaters and on Disney plus premier access citing the COVID-19 pandemic as a major reason. And as as reported by the Hollywood reporter, he also revealed that Disney had entered into hundreds of talent arrangements besides the arrangement with Johansson, which have by and large gone very smoothly. Chapek did not mention Johansson or black widow by name. Um, so, uh, yeah, basically he just said, uh, he, he had no real comment on the lawsuit. Right. But also in this article, which is leading to the next article, um, you know, you kind of you can check out the show notes to kind of read this whole thing. But there was some there was some comments from Disney after uh, after Scarlett Johansson's uh, lawsuit. And they kind of said one thing. And then this article also mentions that um, they they had a they they gave a reason as to why or a somewhat of a reason as to why it is, but also making it feel like it's making her into a bad guy for bringing this up. And right. This article kind of brings that up. But uh, later in the article, it also uh, brings up the fact that, um, which is going into the next one, like I said, um, during the same earnings call, the, uh, Chepek also con- confirmed that the Shang-Chi, Shang- Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings would not really receive a dual release. Um, that so it's going to be theaters only, and at least a, for a window, right? Exactly, because it's going back to the basically, hey, theater first, and then you know go to um uh, to digital or premiere actors, right? Yeah, um, yeah, it's going to pay. It's going to go to it's going to go kind of the traditional route, but in a shorter window because uh, what's what's been announced at least so far, the plan is to have Shang Chi have an exclusive theater window, and then go into paid streaming, which is, you know, on demand and Disney premier access. Right. Kind of like what we talked about with that Warner Warner uh, deal with the theaters, but not, you know, with any deal attached anyway. But so, um, but the thing that is related to that and going into the next um, article is that uh, he, Chepik says that the, um, this this strategy would be an interesting experiment for Disney. Um, as Shang-Chi's box office performance will inform the company's release decisions for future titles. At least that's what this article is saying. Cut to the next article. Marvel uh, Studios boss Kevin... Shush, shush, shush. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so a couple of things. So after hearing about that, uh, the, the statement that I just said from Bob Chapek, Simu Liu, the star of Shang-Chi uh, and The Legend of the Ten Wings, came out and basically said, uh, and I quote... Um, we are not experiment. 
when where is the thing? Yeah, we are not an experiment. Uh, we are the underdog, the underestimated. We are the ceiling breakers. We are the celebration of culture. Enjoy that will pr- persevere after the embattled year. We are the surprise. I am fired the fuck up to make history on September 3rd. Join us. Uh, in response to Bob Chapek's um, um, uh, uh, comments about it being an experiment. Uh, he did this on Twitter. Uh, and then cut to this article where Kevin Feige, of course, being the smoother of, the, of things, says that basically this was a, a misunderstanding. You know, it makes, y- me, it makes me laugh because uh, I know I know Roddy Cat and I discussed this earlier about how Fe- it's almost like Feige's caught in the middle yes. because of Disney higher ups, and and Roddy Cat was unsure of that because you know we, we we're, we're all pretty certain that feige has some idea of the business side but we definitely know that he is neck deep in the creative side right as we so, said he is pretty much the face of 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 this stuff because of his role as marvel studios president and being right, the one who but, comes out and talks about right but, but my point being that there's only so much sway he has with the business side and the and the real higher ups who go on earnings calls and and, and talk to the, the the big shareholders, right? So fortunately, but you know, it seems like this is yet another example of Feige having to get in between the talent and the higher ups at Disney. Um, I think this was a. I hate to I hate to be the cynic here because we know Roddy Cat's the cynic, but <laughs> I think this was a calculated. Um, move by Simu Liu to make it look like he was misunderstanding what was said here to really make a push for people to go out and see Shang-Chi in the theater. You think so? I think so. Huh. I think so. I think it was calculated because it's not so hard. It, it, it's not that, you know, taking taking the statements as a whole, I was like, how do you misunderstand that? But I have a feeling that it was misunderstood on purpose to try to um rally the troops as it were to get to the movie theater mm-hmm. listen i've got i booked my tickets i'm i'm in there september 2nd preview night thursday yes. night so, so that's why we're going to be in movie protocol september yeah, 2nd there we go so there's that so um i i i don't know like i said i, I think part of that what i said from that last article was um article interpretation like the the actual statement was you know was about the um an interesting experiment and I don't know if the part that was said after that in explaining that was a, a part of that um, like so there's a couple of articles I cut out just to, just for, for brevity's sake uh, in this um, because they all kind of say some of the same stuff anyway so the, it, was, it was unnecessary but here we are getting to this if, even if that was the case I guess like sometimes that doesn't work out the way you think it would uh, and yeah, I, while I could see that possibly being the case, I don't fully, n- n- unsurprised, uh, 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 um, not surprised, uh, uh, um, I'm, I'm sure Agent 70 is not surprised by this, but I don't, I don't know if I believe, fully believe that case. I believe that that could be the case. I don't believe that is actually the case. <laughs> Put it that way. That being said, um... It, well, well, we'll see if that one way or the other, we'll see if that works out. Um, but we also know that, you know, uh, 
these big weeds get out here and say all kind of crazy stuff. So it's not outside the realm of possibility that how it could have been interpreted could have been the case. So we we can't say this outside the realm of the possibilities. Um, but moving right along, uh, this is you actually. Yep, it is me. Marvel's Eternals will be getting a fall 2021 release date as originally planned. Tweeted by Aaron Couch, Disney's chief executive officer Bob Chapek confirmed during that same quarter three earnings call Mm -hmm. that when he said Marvel's Eternals is a 2022 title, he meant the 2022 fiscal year. The release date for the Marvel Cinematic Universe film is still set for November 5th, 2021. Okay. Oh, it also recently revealed. It was also recently revealed that Eternals is also not going to be released simultaneously in theaters and on Disney Plus, uh, following a commercial that aired during the Summer 2021 Tokyo Olympics, which ended with the phrase "only in theaters" November 5th. So uh, it's likely that if the Shang Chi experiment in release schedule goes forward um, as planned, they're probably going to follow suit with Eternals. And on that note, um, I thought I had put this in the uh, show notes, but it will be there by the time this goes out in audio form. There was, as of today, uh, as of a recording, the the final trailer for The Eternals came out um, today. And I don't know if you saw it, uh, Agent 70. I'm sorry? Did you see the the trailer that dropped today? The Eternals trailer? Yes. Yeah. It was good. Yeah, it was, and we got some actual some some information and some some stuff that we didn't get prior, uh, in, from the prior trailers. So it was some it was some good stuff. You should definitely check it out. And like I said, I will put it will be in the show notes, um, uh, by the time this goes out in audio form. But next up, um, Samuel Jail Jackson confirms return of Nick Fury in Captain Marvel sequel. Uh, so yeah, Nick Fury is back. Uh, Samuel Jackson says, uh, guess what time it is? Uh, back in the box, just in the nick of time. Boom. Uh, this social media reveal confirms that Jackson's involvement in the sequel uh, to Captain Marvel, called the Marvels, by the way, if you did not know, uh, which will be his 12th appearance in the MCU to date. Uh, Jackson will then reprise his uh, role once more in the already mentioned Secret Invasion on Disney Punch, which I believe is already... Um, he has already said was was uh, filming. So there we go. We know uh, Fury is going to be in Captain Marvel next. All righty. Next up, Hawkeye will premiere on November 24th on Disney Plus and Marvel Studios is counting down the seconds. The official Marvel Studios website added a countdown clock to its webpage for Hawkeye, the next live-action streaming series set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Though it still has a few months to go, the clock is counting down to the fall premiere date for the pilot episode of the streaming series. Once the first season of What If concludes with its ninth and final episode on October 6th, Hawkeye will be the next MCU project on the Disney Plus lineup. So it's a full month and almost two months later. Right. I know there are not a lot of people. No, but I was going to say also with um, Eternals in between. Correct. Um, I know there there are a lot of people who, one, don't like Hawkeye, especially this, well, don't like this version of Hawkeye because of Jeremy Renner. Um, I'm actually still kind of looking forward to this based on what the subject matter they're going to do because they're doing the Kate Bishop stuff uh, from, from Fractions Run. So we're going to get a little bit more. So I'm kind of curious to see how they, how they play that out. 
Uh, next up, though, Hawkeye star um, Alaco Cox, please stop playing, um, reveals new casting info about her Echo series. So, yes, so we know Echo, uh, the character of Echo, is going to be introduced in the Hawkeye series, uh, the aforementioned Hawkeye series. And uh, the, that series is expected to lead into Echo's series, um, which has yet to be confirmed by Marvel Studios, according to this article, but has been reported to be in development uh, according to various uh, Hollywood trades. So Cox herself has, is sharing updates on the upcoming Disney Plus series, according to this article. Um, the Echo Star shared a, a casting breakdown to her Instagram profile in which Marvel Studios uh, casting maestro Sarah Finn posted two separate roles, Jessica and Iris. Uh, both roles are similar to the eponymous character in that they're either Native American or Latinx and fluent in American Sign Language. Uh, and then it goes on into the character breakdown uh, therein. So whether that Echo Show actually comes into being uh, from this, we don't know. Uh, we haven't gotten anything confirmed, but stay tuned. Maybe we'll hear something getting closer to Hawkeye or thereabout. Next up. Next up, uh, Ethan Hawke credits Oscar Isaac for being cast in Marvel's Moon Knight and reveals his character's inspiration. So, um, Ethan Hawke is set to star in Marvel's Moon Knight and he will be playing the head villain. While there is no confirmation of who he's playing, it's believed at this point that it will be Bushman, a former mercenary who was Moon Knight's oldest and most formidable nemesis. During a recent interview on Late Night with Seth Meyers, the actor opened up a bit about the show and shared how he ended up being cast in the series. He credits series star Oscar Isaac, who basically invited him to be in the series after randomly running into him in Brooklyn, New York. Gotta love it, Brooklyn! I know, right? Uh, Must be nice <laughs> to be able to get a role in the thing, you know, based off of that. Sure, he lives three. Yeah, so 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 uh, so Ethan Hawke says. Um, well, I heard about it from Oscar Isaac, who lives like you know three blocks down the street from me in Brooklyn. I was at a coffee shop. He came up to me. He's like, "Hey, I really like the Good Lord Bird." I was like, "Hey, cool. I really like your work. You're amazing." He's like, "Hey, want to be in the Moon Knight with me?" I was like, "Yeah." So it happened the right way, you know. You gotta love it. The right way it only happens to certain people in in Hollywood that way. So this is not the right way, <laughs> you know. So, so uh, my only problem with this is my you know from my my recollection is that I you know I really hope it's not um, uh, Bushman because if I recall correctly, Bushman was black. Mm-hmm. So that would suck taking a, a role away from a black actor <laughs> by making it. Ethan Hawke. I was about to say, you mean as opposed to any number of other times that has, that has kind of happened? In- I'm just saying, it would suck. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know anything about that character, and I was about to uh, kind of channel Matt Wang, who was like, well, it's not, what, Sun- Sun King or whatever, <laughs> whatever that character's name he said uh, when we were talking about Moonlight, our earlier version of Moonlight. Uh, um, I don't know. So, shout out to Matt Wang. So... And apparently, yeah, we get a little bit on how who um, um, Ethan Hawke's basing his character on. Uh, the word is the the the, the name Derek David Koresh is um, is is in there. So there you go. Next up, uh, Miss Marvel's star opens up about playing the MCU's first Muslim hero. 
uh, actor Iman Vellani, de, de, Vellani excuse me, debuts as uh, Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, in the upcoming Disney Plus show, uh, Miss Marvel. The significance of this pop culture property existed in the MCU is not lost on uh, Vellani. Vellani, pardon me. Oh, she has a name similar to my wife's, and I don't know why I'm messing that up. Um, the fact that the show is being made and they're including this character in the MCU is what's important, uh, Vellani said to Variety. I don't really have to go out of my way to talk about being Muslim and being Pakistani. It all comes out in the show. Uh, people seeing a person like me involved in a project as big as this is, I think, inspiring enough. So, yeah. Good on her. And also, this article goes on to say that, yes, yeah, she is also going to be in the, uh, in the Captain Marvel sequel, which we already know. Um, so, there you go. Next. Next up, I'm going to skip this story because we already talked about the yeah. fact that uh, T'Challa Star-Lord is out. There is a what-if poster that heralds the arrival of that character. Mm-hmm. But next up is... Um, uh, Disney has shared an impressive trailer for Star Wars Visions, its anime anthology series premiering September 22nd on Disney+. Plus. The trailer oozes style and flair, and it looks like the series will tell some thrilling new stories in the Star Wars universe. Visions will feature nine animated shorts from seven anime studios. Disney also revealed the English dub voice cast, which features some big names, including Alison Brie, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, David Harbour, uh, Red Guardian, uh, Neil Patrick Harris, Lucy Liu, and Temuera Morrison, who we know as Boba Fett. You can see more of the cast on the official Star Wars website. And Disney says that you'll be able to watch the series both with the English dub cast and the original Japanese voice cast. That's cool. Try to guess which one I'm going to be uh, <laughs> listening to. Now I will check out both. Um, yeah, I, I mean, with, when 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 you put together a voice cast like that, like a star, like a like a a star laden voice cast, I'm gonna have to listen to both as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, the the if you haven't checked out the trailer or any of the trailers that has uh, come out on this, you should. It's some really good, stuff. especially if you're a fan of anime. You don't necessarily have to be a Star Wars fan, uh, and it's, and none of it's canon anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But it's some good looking stuff. Uh, Doctor Strange star, no, Doctor Strange 2's crew gifts uh, reveal America Chavez's MCU outfit, apparently. So, gifts sent out for the cast and crew of Doctor Strange in the multitude, uh, Multiverse of Madness revealed that the outfit America Chavez will wear when she makes her MCU debut. Um, and I'm also seeing some other news that I'm s- slightly excited about, if it's the case, but I'm just going to pocket that for next week. Uh, artwork from a f- on a framed Marvel Studios Presents poster for the Doctor Strange sequel features Stephen Strange, Wong, Scarlet Witch, and America Chavez. Uh, it shows the future young Avenger with her familiar blue jean jacket over a t-shirt. Uh, instead of the shirt she typically wears in the comics, it appears that the MCU uh, America Chavez is wearing pants, which they, they make those kind of changes all the time going from going to live action. So that's not a, not that big of a surprise. Uh, apparently, this is coming from some. I'm going to say a Doctor Strange uh, uh, fan site, or oh, Doctor Strange uh, movie fan site. I guess I don't know what this this thing, what this tweet is from. But if you're watching the 
video version of this here podcast, you can see the uh, the French poster in question, which is like the cover of a, a, an old Marvel stu- uh, comics uh, comic. Uh, next up. Okay, next up, Marvel Studios and Anthony Mackie have reached an agreement for the star to pick up the shield once again in Captain America 4. According to Deadline, it's not yet clear if Sebastian Stan, Mackie's co-star in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Disney Plus series will reprise his role as Bucky Barnes in the fourth Captain America film. Along with starring in five films set in the MCU, uh, Cap, the Winter Soldier, Ant-Man, Captain America Civil War, Avengers Infinity War, and Avengers Endgame, Mackie and Stan's Falcon and Winter Soldier became the second MCU series to debut on Disney Plus following WandaVision. I feel like this is a not a big surprise, but we just didn't know it. You know, we didn't have confirmation of. We didn't have final word, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, it was just a matter of time for when we did. Oh, and here's the trailer for the Eternals, which I, for some strange reason, I put uh, here instead of <laughs> earlier. And so we could just move past that and go on to Jim Shooter says um, that Marvel is developing a live action Secret Wars. To which I feel like we've kind of thought that, sure, that's probably something they might be trying to do. But we don't know. So here we go. Jim Shooter, who was the writer of uh, Marvel's original Secret Wars event, says Marvel Studios is developing a live-action adaptation of the project. Uh, the creator was a recent guest at the Megacon convention, uh, where he was asked about the possibility of Secret Wars heading to the MCU. Uh, while dis- dis- discussing how a money clown <laughs> called him up to offer $10,000 to write a novelization of Secret Wars, Shooter revealed Marvel Studios' attempt to secure the rights to the storyline. Um, I'm not going to go into it, but you can read it. It's kind of actually amusing because of that uh, money clown quote. Uh, and it's in the show notes, so you can read that for yourself. So this doesn't necessarily say that they're actually going to do it, but it sounds like he may have been approached uh, for that reasoning, which, given what we know already, would make total sense. Uh, well, between between that Secret Wars and Hickman's Secret War, anyway, I would think at this point it would be leaned towards Hickman's, but we'll see. Next up. Next up, director Daniel Espinosa's upcoming Marvel film Morbius seems like it's going to be something pretty cool. At least according to this writer. I, uh, this writer really enjoyed those first trailers that were released, and it seems like Jared Leto is going to be great in the title role of a scientist-turned-vampire, according to this writer. Thank you. <laughs> the trailers have also revealed that the film's connected to Marvel Spider-Man movies because Michael Keaton reprised his role as Vulture in it. That character was first introduced in Spidey Homecoming, and the writer is curious to see how he fits into the story. Okay. The director of uh, Espinosa... Uh, Daniel Espinosa seems to have now let the cat out of the bag regarding another Marvel character that will appear in the movie. Um, here's what he said in a recent interview with Swedish outlet MovieZine. Uh, I usually feel strange before the day begins, blah, 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 blah. When you look at the schedule and read names like Michael Keaton, Jared Leto, Tom Hardy, then it feels good and very exciting. Okay, so I guess... There may very well be uh, an 
uh, Eddie Brock slash Venom cameo in the Morbius film. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of it, Jared Leto. So, you know, yeah, whatever. Next up, uh, Superman was considered. Thank you. God damn it, stop with the freaking autoplay and. Ish. Uh, Superman was considered as the main villain in the su- this Suicide Squad, apparently. Um, so James Gunn uh, has revealed that there was a time where he considered making Superman the main villain of Super Squad, so, so the Suicide Squad. Um, on the latest episode of Script Apart, uh, this is a podcast apparently, uh, which will come up again after this, uh, the Suicide Squad's writer and director discussed the evolution of the script for the uh, DCEU. He revealed at one point he toyed with the idea of pitting Task Force X against the Man of Steel because it, he felt like it would make for a very interesting story. Coincidentally, there uh, there was a Suicide Squad a video game that is coming out that it will probably that will seemingly broach that subject because I think they're pitting them up against the uh, Justice League. Uh, so a version of the Suicide Squad is definitely going to seem like it was going to go up against a version of the uh, Justice League, which includes Superman. So anyway, um, Starro is a character I love from the comics. I think he's a perfect comic book character because he's absolutely ludicrous. Um, but he's also very scary in his own way. Uh, Gunn said, explaining why he changed direction. Uh, what he does is scary. He used to scare the crap out of me when I was a child, putting those face huggers on Superman and Batman and stuff. So yeah, and it goes on from there. Uh, next up. Next up. Uh... Spoilers. Stargirl's Jenny Lee Hayden teases her future as Green Lantern. Jenny Lee Hayden isn't just a Green Lantern. She is the Green Lantern. Uh, she is the Green Lantern. Okay. As Jenny discovered in Summer School Chapter 2, the latest episode of Stargirl, she doesn't need her father's Green Lantern to power his Lantern Corps ring. She is an energy source all to herself with the ability to fuel the ring and tap into its ability to cast any construct she can think of, making her a powerful ally to Courtney and the Justice Society of America. Unfortunately for the JSA, she decided to leave Blue Valley at the end of the episode, but she'll be back. Uh, speaking to CBR, Stargirl star Issa... Penareo, yeah, Penareo, confirmed she will return as Jenny later in the season. Okay. Yeah. um, Going back one uh, uh, article, um, the Suicide Squad's original ending was darker, featuring another death. Uh, But again, you can read the um, you can read the article uh, because it might also spoil something for uh, this, what actually happened in Suicide Squad. Actually, it does. It says so in the article. That does, it, that does spoil something for the Suicide Squad if you haven't watched that movie yet. Uh, so next up. The Boys celebrates Emmy nominations with seven Super Days pop-ups. Amazon Studios. Uh, the Boys will celebrate the original series' five Emmy nominations with seven Super Days. Um... It launched on Friday, last Friday, August 13th, lasting until the day of this taping, August 19th. The week-long event was filled with the boys-themed pop-ups all across uh, uh, Los Angeles, California, including complimentary food, drinks, and activations, all inspired by scenes and characters from Season 2 of The Boys. Okay. Uh, 
Uh, Tom McFarlane's Spawn movie shows signs of life after more than a decade, uh, apparently. Um, the Spawn movie first announced back in 2009 finally found the writer in Brian Tucker. Uh, this news comes comes uh, nearly a year after it was revealed last September that the movie's script had taken a new direction. Tucker, who's best known for writing for the script uh, to 2013's Broken City, has been hired to write a new script for the movie, as reported by the Hollywood... As I'm about to say Hollywood Shuffle. The Hollywood Reporter. Um... Todd McFarlane will direct the film with Jason Bloom of Bloomhouse Productions set to produce. McFarlane will also produce the movie and Carla Hacken will serve as uh, executive producer. Uh, there you go. So hopefully, that, that, I guess, well, I guess that's still in on the books or something. Next. HBO Max is growing one of animation's most weird and wonderful worlds with a series order for Adventure Time, Fiona and Cake, that's a working title, an all-new half-hour young adult animated series starring the fearless sword-wielding adventurer Fiona and her magical best friend and talking cat, Cake. Produced by Cartoon Network Studios, the 10-episode series will explore their relationship and the mysterious land of, ooh, Adam Muto, or Muto, Muto, if you are a fan of the legendary Godzilla verse or monster verse, um, creator of Adventure from Adventure Time, Adventure Time Distant Land specials, will serve as showrunner and executive producer. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to take both of these. Um, Fast and Furious. No, I'll actually, you know what? You get the last one. Uh, or, uh, uh, Fast and Furious Spy Racers uses Dom Toretto to forge the franchise's Ultron. And this is spoilers for Fast and Furious Spy Racers, which is uh, the the Netflix animated show. Uh, so apparently in this, I won't go in too far because I'm not caught up on it either way. So apparently... Um, uh, yeah, some, I was about to say, I stopped watching after like the third episode of the first season, something I like that. I think I did actually, also. <laughs> I I'm like, this is, is still going on? Like the, con- the, the cartoon? Five seasons, apparently, yeah. Um... Which granted, I was about to say, there is, much, Roddy but... Cat, there is one extra story in the spillover section I put in there. Oh, okay. Uh, well, you still get the next one then. Um, so apparently, they the Dom gets kidnapped and they use him to to in some sort of AI. Well, and I guess Tony is participating in some AI race, and the the prize is Dom, and uh, apparently, AI version of Dom is used to make a, this version of Ultron or something or other like that. You can read in the article. I don't know. It's kind of silly. But then again, Fast and Furious in itself is, is kind of silly. Speaking of... There are moments that set... That, that was... Yeah. <laughs> Love the... I was about playing. to say, I'm like you're trying to pull out the, 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 the Fast and Furious sound effects? No, that was just auto-playing a uh, video from the article. Oh, okay. From I mean, article. I live a quarter mile at a time. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, Universal's Fast and Furious 10 has a release date. The penultimate film in the long-running Cars to Spies franchise will hit theaters on April 7th, 2023, the Hollywood Reporter has confirmed. Justin Lin will direct the 10th and 11th films in the Fast franchise, which will be the conclusion of the core movies. Sure. Uh, let us go over to the spillover section. Oh, see, that was the one I was going to save until next week. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. 
that yeah that was yeah you wouldn't have but since it's here since you already put it in here fine um marvel's iron heart set to debut in black panther wakanda forever so uh ahead of uh iron man solo series on disney plus dominic thorne will debut as teen genius riri williams in next year's black panther wakanda forever Comicbook.com spoke to Marvel Studios head uh, Kevin Feige, who confirmed that Thorne will make her MCU debut in the Marvel, excuse me, in the Black Panther sequel arriving next summer. I feel like we, that was some speculation that folks have had out there also. Um, from there, she'll headline her own series. So when the show will release hasn't been really revealed. Uh, quote unquote, we're shooting Black Panther Wakanda forever right now, and the character of Riri Williams you will meet in Black Panther 2 first, Feige said. She started shooting, I think, uh, this week before her uh, Iron Heart series. So I'm excited that Riri is going to be in the MCU, first of all, and the fact that she's getting her own uh, show also. So that's, that's cool in, in both respects. Uh, and so yeah, now I- we. Go ahead, what I was going to say is I think it's unlikely that she gets any armor in this in her first appearance. Quite likely. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we do know in the comics she has had, uh, she, um, especially very relatively recently, uh, has been attached to uh, Wakanda. Um, so, or, or has taken trips to Wakanda and have interacted with uh, folks there. So, you know, not that big of a surprise that that is happening here. I guess. Uh, that being said, we can move over to the comic book news. Transition, transition, transition. <laughs> DC announces a new universe melding superheroes and Game of Thrones. Uh, DC is launching a new medieval universe that mixes superheroes with Game of Thrones, like previously said. It's written by Tom Taylor of Nightwing and Injustice fame, uh, with art by Yasmin Putri. Uh, Dark Knights of Steel, which apparently is the universe, will see DC's stalwarts such as Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, and Harley Quinn given a medieval fantasy to it. So it's basically Injustice in a, in a fantasy sense, from what it sounds like, except for well, we don't know the regular plot. It could be Superman going back, going rogue. We don't know. Um, I've spent the last two years creating a new fantasy ep- fantasy universe, which at this point, given what I just said, doesn't sound all that new, especially given what Tom Taylor has done. Anyway, and Dark Knights of Steel is an absolute dream come true, uh, Taylor told um, EW, Entertainment Weekly. Uh, despite being the writer of the DC horror series Deceased, I am actually a huge, huge fantasy fan. Uh, combining two of my favorite things, DC superheroes and high fantasy, is my absolute happy place. I grew up reading Lord of the Rings alongside Superman. Uh, Terry Pratchett alongside Garth Ennis. Uh, Robin Hobb and Mark Wade, you get the point. Dragonlance and Justice League. So now I get to bring all of this together with the incredible Yasmin Putri. And the biggest story I could imagine, uh, a tale of war and love, of despair and hope. Uh, of portrayal and an improbable alliances forged in battle. So basically, Injustice, de- Deceased, and a couple of other things that, that Tom Taylor has done. Um, you know, and and I guess capitalizing on the fact that, hey, you know, D&D is kind of big right now, so why not make a big fantasy thing? This is just my speculation on, on, on everything that I just said, but, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised. And plus, Marvel has kind of has done some things already on, on that on that front 
in a way. But if you're going to get somebody to write something like this, and especially given what Tom Taylor has already done, sure, why not? Next up. Next up, this November, Wonder Woman will step up and act as Earth's representative in a cosmic trial to decide the fate of humanity. In the upcoming limited series, Wonder Woman Evolution, writer Stephanie Phillips and artist Mike Hawthorne will tell a story that is a juxtaposition of grand sci-fi and Diana's core humanity. Okay. Sure. Um, Also worth noting, I believe we may or may not have said uh, previously or earlier in the program, uh, November solicitations are out for both DC and Marvel and other places. Um, I'm pretty sure there's still some more to come, but you know, it's a lot of stuff will be coming from there. Uh, Batman quits Gotham setting up 2022 DC event shadow of the bat. Uh, for 81 years, Batman has been the protector of Gotham city, but come November, 2021, that is no more. As revealed in DC November 2021 solicitations, Batman is leaving Gotham City uh, with his wards and allies to fill the void as protectors of the city. Uh, Earlier this year, Bruce Wayne was forced to relinquish his family fortune and business as a part of the Joker War. So this is yet another blow to the Bat franchise. And I feel like something that has been done before. Mm -hmm. A couple of times. Actually, not because there was that one time he died, and then that was just like, you know, whatever. Anyway, Batman leaving Gotham Gotham will be one of the lasting effects of the current Fear State event, uh, a crossover whose coda, uh, November 30th, Batman Fear State Omega Number One will lay out, lay it all out uh, according to the issue's description. Described as a new day dawning on the city of Gotham, Batman will be absent from his hometown. Although his absence does not mean the city is without heroes. There you go. We're, we're doing this again. Next. I mean, Superman's leaving the Earth. Batman's already leaving left the Earth, Gotham. actually. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah Superman well, no, already depends. happened, I thought. No, what I was going to say, the thing about Superman is it depends on which book you're looking at in terms of whether or not he's left already or not. Good point. You know, just, just, because, of, just because of the way uh, the publishing schedule works, that's all. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Ultimately, he will have left in all books at some point very soon. Right, because it's kind of um, like the future state coming before what's going on now. Yeah. Exactly. Next up, 1992's Batman Returns uh, star Danny DeVito is writing a Penguin comic for the Batman villain's 80th anniversary. So uh, he's reprising the role somewhat in a unique way, writing that Penguin-centric comic book. For November's Gotham City Villains Anniversary Giant Number One Anthology One Shot, along with Zavito's Penguin Story, Gotham City Villains Anniversary Giant Number One features contributions from writer artist Wes Craig, writers G Willow Wilson, okay. Philip Kennedy Johnson, Joshua Williamson, Stephanie Phillips, Dan Walters, Dan Waters that is, and Merrick Red. Scott, as well as artists Dan Mora, Emma Rios, Ricardo Federici, Max Rayner, Max Fiumara, Skylar Patridge, blah, 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 blah. The artist of DeVito's Penguin story is not yet specified. Um, on a side note, there's a, a, a little short from Discord, the, um, the, um, the, um, the Skype-like um, um, uh, uh, um, Video offering uh, the uh, um, audio um, software that uh, he and Aquafina did, and it's kind of crazy. It's kind of silly, 
they're, they're basically sitting there trying to explain to him what uh, Discord is. Danny DeVito, him looking like his uh, um, always sunny character. <laughs> so that's kind of funny. Anyway, so I guess Danny DeVito writing a Penguin story is not the worst idea I've heard, but also, you all know how I feel about that kind of stuff. Next up, Fables lands a high-end box set. So this is good news to Fables fans, if you don't already know, uh, have have this uh, stuff, I guess. Next year, DC Comics celebrates the 20th anniversary of Bill Willingham and Mark Buckingham's Fables with a high-end book set collecting the entire saga thus far. Uh, the original Fables title, first published by DC's now defunct uh, Vertical imprint, is currently slated to def- to return for issue 151 under the DC Black Label in May 2022. Uh, one month before that, on Tuesday, April 19th, 2022, Fables, the 20th anniversary box set, arrives in shops uh, with the cover price of 240 USDs. Uh, as revealed by the, the, the aforementioned solicits. Uh, Fables of the 20th Anniversary box set is comprised of four compendium volumes, uh, which come in a slipcase featuring artwork by Buckingham. The set collects Fables 1 through 150, Fables The Last Car- Castle, Fables 1001 Nights of Snowfall, Fables Werewolf of the Heartland, uh, Jack and Jack of Fables 33 through 35, and The Literals 1 through 3. Uh, not in there is the tell- Telltale game uh, Wolf Among Us because that's a video game and not a um, <laughs> and not a story. I don't think they did a they did a comic book on that part of it anyway. Um, so yeah, so if you're a fan of Fables or whatnot, you can go check that out. Next up, next up, DC Universe superheroes will be featured in several upcoming webcomic series through a new deal between Warner Media's DC Entertainment and Webtoon. Under the agreement, DC and Webtoon, owned by South Korean internet company Naver, will collaborate on standalone webcomics that will appeal to all fans, quote, without the need to know or read any previous stories, according to the companies. For now, however, DC and Webtoon are, are not divulging any details about the project projects emerging from the stable of DC superheroes. The company's plan to announce more in the next few weeks. The DC webcomics will first be available in English, followed by other language translations. Okay. Uh, this seems like kind of a big deal, um, especially for Webtoon. Um, and I believe, as we know, some, some, some notable folks... Uh, have webtoon comics already out there that well not I think at least the one I'm thinking of right right now hasn't done any much DC work but that's beside the point so yeah I guess we'll see I don't know it kind of feels like Star Wars and th- that Star Wars uh, anime anthology thing for for some strange reason but hey we'll see what happens with that uh, the Suicide Squad's King Shark sinks his teeth into hot toys boom boom so uh, King Shark's getting a getting a getting a Getting the uh, hot toys, hot toys. You can see uh, the figure and the, all the accoutrement, including the book that he's reading upside down uh, in the show notes as I scroll through them and uh, for the video uh, part of this. And if you're not watching the video, hey, you should sometime. Good stuff. Bird. Uh, but next up. Oh, wait. Uh, Bird. Shorts. Huh? Oh, <laughs> yes. bird. indeed, yes. Uh, King Shark's hot toys figure. Actually, there is no bird, uh, sadly, uh, uh, with this figure. 
That's a missed opportunity. Anyway, um, King Shark's Hot Toys figure is now available for pre-order at the price of $220. The figure is expected to ship between July and September 2022. Not a big surprise of a price because Hot Toys is usually, you know, pricey like that and detailed, as you can see. So, sure. Next. One of Marvel's core X writers, Teeny Howard, is branching out and making a return to DC Comics. The Excalibur and X Corp writer will be writing a story in December 4th's Batman Urban Legends number 10 anthology. Howard is working with artist Christian Deuce on or Duce on a holiday themed story. Uh, this short will be Howard's second published DC work after writing a backup story in 2016, Shade, The Changing Girl, number three. This new gig would signal that Howard's exclusive contract with Marvel Comics announced in March 2019 has ended. But before X-Fans get worried, a recent conversation with Howard assured Newsarama she plans to continue work at Marvel and with Krakoa. In addition to her work at Marvel and now DC, Howard will continue to co-create, co-write Vault Comics' Vampire, The Masquerade Ongoing, and uh, she also created a magic system for the upcoming Three Worlds, Three Moon series that'll be serialized on Jonathan Hickman's Substack Pro Feed. Okay. That's cool. Um, there'll be more Substack news in a minute. Uh, John, speaking of Jonathan Hickman, though, Jonathan Hickman is leaving X Men with uh, Inferno's conclusion. So apparently, uh, Hickman is stepping away from Marvel's X-Men line after Inferno event that he's writing. Uh, while Inferno marks the end of Hickman's time as showrunner show of the X-Men franchise, uh, according to this article, this is not the end of his time at Marvel. Uh, according to Entertainment Weekly, uh, Hickman is already working on his quote-unquote next big Marvel thing, which should make his debut sometime next year, uh, along with a weekly uh, X-Men series. Uh, quote unquote, oh, plans have de- changed entirely, uh, Hickman said regarding his initial X Men plans. When I when I pitched the X Men story I wanted to do, I pitched a very big, very broad three act, three event narrative. Uh, the first of which was House of X, and uh, that's usually that. While this is loosely worked as a three year plan, I told Marvel upfront that I honestly had no idea of how long the first part would last, because there is a lot of interesting ideas that I uh, had seeded. Uh, that other creators would want to play with. And so we left this rather open-ended. Uh, I was also pretty clear with all the writers that uh, came into the office what the initial three-act plan was, so no one would be surprised when it was time to for the line to pivot. So uh, I guess this is not that big of a surprise, but by virtue of me saying early, I don't know. Well, I think there's a couple things that I can speculate on. Mm-hmm. My guess is that I think a lot of people want to play with resurrected X characters. Yes. And they haven't had a chance to resurrect all the characters they want to play with. So I think that's the stage in the story that is going to stay active. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why Hickman is pulling the plug on the three-year plan. Right. Because it's not like he's stepping away because in our very next story, Marvel's X-Men line adds a weekly series for 2022. Mm-hmm. So Marvel doesn't really pay Hickman, quote, to just write ongoing monthly books. There's an expectation for him to write bigger books that have a wider reach than that, X-Men writer Jonathan Hickman said during a recent interview with Entertainment Weekly. In an effort to facilitate both things, 
he and the other writers have all spent the last six months or so reorienting the line, me, him creating Inferno to assist with that, and then bringing in some new writers to add to the existing team, and then plan for the next several years of X-Books. So that's what made me think they, they still have characters they want to resurrect and put into the X-Men, or at least the mutant lineup. Sure. Seems legit. I mean, and there's still like, like even that last article said, like, yeah, there's a lot, or he said in the last article, um, there's a lot to play with with that whole thing in general, you know, even exactly. above that. Because and, if he was going to get rid of Krakoa and the whole resurrection protocols in Act Three of his story, then and kind of bring them back to something close to a status quo, then that foregoes any of these possible storylines that maybe maybe some other creators had with other X characters or other mutants that they thought about bringing back. Hmm. And they would have to come up with another way rather than just putting through them through the resurrection protocols. Yeah. So I guess good news and I don't know. We'll see because we don't know. How, yeah, we don't know what direction that's going to go in because right. we've been intrigued by some of the characters they brought back, and some of those things that have been brought up in in Hexbox. Right, because because they I mean even, some of they, that stuff. Well, go ahead. I was about to say they even even they have barely scratched the surface on that that future stuff. Like they've been they barely kind of touched on it recently with or some of it a part of it recently in um 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 uh, uh, Hellions. Right, and they've really only touched upon a little bit in X-Men of the Nimrod stuff. Exactly. So if we think the, the Nimrod stuff, and based on the November solicits I flipped through, the Nimrod stuff is going to come to a whole, come to at least some some uh, point, some, law, some high point maybe, maybe not a climax, maybe not a conclusion in Inferno. Mm-hmm. And we also know that Mystique is going to play a role because she's getting fed up um right oh, now yeah. with her with her um uh frustrations with certain things we're not going to spoil right now but right. she's definitely frustrated so that is probably going to be a big part of inferno but yeah if what we're hearing is to be interpreted the way we're interpreting it it's not going to put an end to Krakoa because other writers have story ideas they want to take out of you know you know kind of pull out of where Krakoa would likely be at the end of Inferno, right? Without is, being, without being destroyed, right? Which is good because Krakoa and the and everything around it is kind of fertile ground. So yeah, they they got stuff they could potentially play with for a good minute, and so right. like they're so, already going down that line. Yeah. Though. Right. So if so so as as Hickman said, if he had planned out in a three, you know, in a three act story over the course of three years we're already getting into that third year and it doesn't seem like he's looking to wrap it up even with inferno kind of bringing a couple of those stories to a kind of crescendo Mm -hmm. it may not end the way he had initially planned as his interviews have kind of put forth because other people want to play too indeed Next up, Marvel's Blade goes more feral vampire in his Darkhold makeover. Uh, the Avenger Blade will now be a part of, um, will be, excuse me, will be a part of Marvel's Darkhold event. Now, not now, but uh, transforming him something more feral than a simple vampire hunter. Uh, Steve Orlando and Cian Tormi are the creative team on Darkhold Alpha number one, the opening salvo of the mystical Marvel event. Scarlet Witch somehow and <laughs> and Dr. Doom must work together to keep 
the dark hole text. I'm I'm joking about that because we already know. Um, um, the keep the dark hole text from wrecking the Marvel universe. Darkhold Blade number one by writer Daniel Kibblesmith and artist Federico Sabatini is one of the tie-in uh, one-shots continuing the story along with uh, Darkhold Iron Man number one by writer Ryan North and artist Guillermo Sana. Uh, and it goes on to explain um, um, part of what goes on in, in that, which we don't, uh, we don't necessarily have to get into. Next. A new iteration of the Masters of Evil from Marvel's Multiverse will plague the Avengers in November. The Multiversal Masters of Evil were introduced in this year's, this past week's free comic book day, Avengers Hulk number one. Did you get a copy, Roddy Cat? No, I did not, but we, uh, but, um... We do have a review copy. We do have that in its own comicsology also, which I believe I'll oh. put those links in the show notes of the, of the, um, of this week's, um, uh, free comic book day things. If I that if I have not, then it will be. As uh, Agent Seventy shows, uh, uh, puts up his copy. Oops, I didn't do that. Sorry. Yeah, I was about to say I have my background on blurry, so um, um, it probably is not showing up that well. But that's okay. You don't have to show it for too long. Um, getting back to the story, uh, these characters will return in Avengers number fifty, aka issue seven fifty. For Earth's Mightiest Heroes, the giant-sized issue contains 96 pages of game-changing stories from writer Jason Aaron and a lineup of artists including Carlos Pacheco, Aaron Cooter, Ed McGinnis, and Javier Garon. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Um, we hadn't seen the Masters of Evil in a minute, so it was good to have them back in the Avengers fold. I'll be a, a clearly you know, way different version, I guess. Uh, right, and, and actually severely overpowered. As if the as if the one that sieged the uh, um, Avengers Mansion was not <laughs> right. Right. I mean, you know, looking at this lineup, I mean, it's unclear what some of these characters are because they seem to be melds, you know, like kind of mishmash, yes, uh, amalgams of uh, of certain characters. So it's hard to tell, but mm-hmm. you know, they they seem tremendously powered, right. Um, by the way, the uh, trial of X-Men, I forgot to mention earlier, uh, there was a, what was it? Nineties. Was that a nineties, um, event where Magneto was actually on trial because of something he had done previously. Avengers versus X-Men. Yeah. Because of that. But that was before the, yeah. Uh, yeah. That happened. And then the trial of, uh, Magneto happened after that, I believe. Right. I think so. Something like that. Yeah, I can't remember the order of that. But regardless, so the, yeah, because he sank the submarine. Correct. Uh, and uh, and this week's uh, trial of the trial of Magneto is kind of not necessarily harkening back to that, but basically using that because it was a you know that's the kind of the thing that Marvel's been doing lately, right. just kind of um, uh, harking back to old um, uh, 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 events in a way. Sure. Some uh, would say recycling. Some would say recycling in certain cases, but some, but yeah, some of those recyclers are kind of like, nah, it's kind of name only. We're just using it because, hey, remember this, or not even remember this, but you know, to, as a um, homage, basically. Right. Uh, acclaimed novelist. I'm kind of happy for this. Uh, acclaimed novelist Walter Mosley takes on the thing this November, um, thanks to um, Age of Seventy put forward in, in this in the lineup. Uh, this fall, renowned storyteller. Walter Mosley, uh, he of Devil in a Blue Dress, uh, uh, Blue Light, and um, Killing Johnny Fry, X Y Z, and, and many other things, 
known for his definitive and best-selling international work in the mystery uh, and crime fiction, uh, brings his signature fiction writing style to a sweeping saga of Yancey Street's favorite son in The Thing. Uh, the six-issue series debuts in November 2021. Before the show, I could have sworn Walter Mosley has written the theme before. Um, uh, and to which I believe Agent 7 or said it was like, maybe it was a dream or something. I don't know, but... <laughs> uh, written by Mosley and with art by Tom Riley, the story will range from the urban sprawl of the alleys of Manhattan to the furthest reaches of the cosmos itself. In The Thing, A Lonely Evening and a Chance Encounter, or is it, sends Ben Grimm embarking on a sojourn that will have him confronting and battling figures both new and old. I feel like if um, the if, if you told me uh, Ben was going to be like a noir, like a, um, like a uh, Sonny Rollins <laughs> mm-hmm. character, I'd be like, okay, I'm still with it. Um, not Sandy Rollins. Um, I forgot the Devil in the character. Uh, um, but regardless, it's Walter Mosley. I'm kind of curious to see how this how this plays out. Uh, next up, because I am a fan of his work. Okay, I mean I'm not familiar with it. So, mm-hmm. uh, Marvel Comics has announced Star Wars: Crimson Rain, a new comic book series starring the character Kira, who was famously played by Game of Thrones alum Amelia Clark in the 2018 film Solo, a Star Wars story which isn't as bad as people made it out to be. Written by Charles Soule and illustrated by Steve Cummings, Star Wars Crimson Rain is a five-issue limited series slated to launch this November, which spinning it, uh, with it spinning out of the War of the Bounty Hunters event, which first introduced uh, Solo's Kira to Marvel Star Wars lineup. Crimson Rain promises to, quote, reshape the history of the Star Wars galaxy during the Age of Rebellion. Okay, unquote. Yeah. Uh, side note, I've read that um, comic book Amelia Clark co-wrote with uh, Marguerite Bennett from a couple of weeks back. That's that's a weird joint. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Joe Kionez slams Marvel. Um, I don't know if slams is the, the, the right word, but you know, people... Uh, anyway, um, Joe Kionez slams Marvel for scrubbing signature for from America Chavez poster. So this was the thing I saw play out on, on Twitter. Um, comic book artist Joe Kionis, uh called out Marvel for scrubbing his signature from a poster of Miss Marvel America. Uh, excuse me, Miss America, America Chavez, uh, made from one of his comic book covers. I believe it was for the first issue of um, of her first uh, solo series, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, oh, cool! They made a poster of my cut. Oh, what happened to my signature, Marvel? That's what he wrote on Twitter. Um, sharing an image of the poster in question with a close-up image of the signature that had been partially erased. Uh, the poster is made from a, a poster cover of America Volume 1, Life and Times of America Chavez, written by Gabby Rivera and illustrated by Keone's, which I, I think also served as the first uh, the first issue of the book also, if I'm not mistaken. And, and as uh, such things happen, other um, comic creators... Um, uh, also responded to this tweet. Um, I'm not sure who this person is. Like, this is absolutely not cool, anti-cool, and I believe. Uh, and I did see where uh, Francisco Franco Villa said, like, yeah, it pretty much happened to him um, with a with a, uh, a Shang Chi cover that he did, and the signature was gone. 
uh, Jerry Ordway also chimed in on it, uh, saying a similar thing happened to him with a with a DC cover of his. Yeah, I was gonna say when I saw this controversy pop up online and on Twitter, I I'm familiar with it. It's happened all the time. That yeah. was the sloppiest erase job I'd seen ever. Yes. Uh, most of the time, it's a clean erase. Where if you're say you're a fan of the artist and you recognize exactly where they put their signature and then you see the production poster and their signature is mysteriously not where they left it, mm. it's not uncommon. It happens all the time. Um, I I sympathize with the artists, but at the same time, it's kind of lame that literally whoever was doing this got sloppy in their Photoshop and left like the layer on or didn't completely do the erase job. That's just lame. Right. They basically did a um, um, uh, uh, a color thing, but it just didn't get the whole thing. Like, I feel like I know what they did. Like even even with my meager Photoshop skills, I know what they did. Like they just basically took a part of the cover and um, just, and blurred. Yeah, and blurred exactly. It they dragged the color over. Mm-hmm. And probably use uh like the paintbrush. I mean, not paintbrush, but the spray point, the spray paint one. And right, and they just did it too fast. They saved it too soon. Just lame. Somebody was just lazy. Yeah, it was very sloppy, sloppy work. And and it's sad that this happened in the first place. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But like I said, as as someone who, as 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 folks can tell, maybe not by my current background, but um, as folks can tell by my my normal backgrounds is that I do dabble in um, posters. So I am familiar with signatures not being where they normally are if it's a reproduction of, like, say, a cover or a splash page. Mm -hmm. So, but anyway, moving on. uh, Chip Zdarsky is the latest comic book star creator to join the subscription newsletter and now creator-owned digital publishing platform Substack. We reported this last week, but now we have more information. Um... Uh, let's see. Uh, Zdarsky's work for Substack will include the return of an image title he created along with brand new property he'll write and draw. Okay. Mm-hmm. I will take these next four because they're all, all right. about... <laughs> um, uh, 80-70, not a big video game video gamer. And nevertheless... If it was Marvel versus Capcom, I'd be all over this. But well, if we it's are, not... And we already talked about that one last week, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm taking a backseat on these. <laughs> so, uh, Marvel's Adventures developer uh, confirmed Spider-Man still on track for 2021 release. So, this is basically for DLC for Marvel's Adventures uh, made by Square Enix, which, yes, folks, is still going on. Um, so, apparently, yeah, they're they're saying they're right now their focus is definitely on Wakanda, which it just came out, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, which is our capstone for the roadmap that we shared. Walters, uh, who is this? Uh, somebody from Square. Oh, Scott, uh, designer, secret, senior divide, uh, designer Scott Walters confirmed this. So Spider-Man is still coming because I believe that was in an, an, an initial DLC plans. That was uh, that was one of the main ones. Uh, that being said. Um, Marvel's Avengers War for Wakanda expansion is out uh, as of time of this recording. It came out a couple of days prior to this recording. Uh, and you can play it, and apparently people have. And uh, I'm not sure what the reaction is. I'm kind of staying away from a lot of that so I can play it myself at some point. Uh, also, uh, I believe there's a video out there about his uh, power set, which is, just goes into that. And there's an article in the show notes about the costumes you can get from this set. Uh, 
And the, the next uh, article is talking about a villain that shows up, uh, I guess, in here. Um, who, uh, it's Crossbones, apparently, because uh, I guess Crossbones is going to be in this War for Wakanda DLC, which is, by the way, free uh, if you have if you own Marvel's uh, Avengers. So there you go. Uh, and there's some other changes that uh, it's been made to the game in uh, in uh, uh, in relation or side by side with this. So we get a good look at Crossbones, who's in the DLC. And last but not least, apparently, Marvel's Avengers teases Scarlet Witch in a war for Wakanda in War for Wakanda expansion. This may or may not been a bug. We don't know, but. Um, uh, according to this article, Black Panther War for Wakanda is said to be a fresh start for Marvel's Avengers after nearly a year of critical backlash. The expansion puts forth we are, this is about Black Panther, we already know. Uh, but basically, somewhere in there, uh, according to some Reddit, so take that for what it is, uh, some Reddit poster seems to suggest that the Scarlet Witch is an upcoming addition to the game's playable roster. Uh, the recent expansion that being the Black Panther one, introduces um, Sauravari, a Wakandan mystic who greets the playable character when um, when they approach. However, when approaching as the, the as Thor, this Reddit person said that uh, instead of being greeted by a voice line, instead of being greeted, uh, they were being greeted by a voice, voice line that seems to address Wanda Maximoff instead. Again, take this for what it is. It's coming off Reddit, so we don't know if this is actually true. Or it could have been a bug, even if it did happen. We don't even know. Uh, so, yeah. Whether Scarlet Witch, which wouldn't be surprised if she did show up in this game, shows up, then that'll be that. We'll see, I guess, if, if that it ends up being confirmed somewhere. Next up. Next up, the superhero universe is becoming as diverse as ever as it ever has before. An award-winning graphic novelist Edgardo Miranda Rodriguez is at the center of the new adventure. As always, he's bringing more Latinx rap- representations to the pages of his comic books. Um, we know Miranda Rodriguez as the creator of La Borinquena, mm-hmm. um, an original superhero ca- superhero character who made her comic book debut in late 2016. Um, she was di- uh, created as a direct response to the struggles Puerto Ricans were facing after the devastation that Hurricane Maria left behind and the lack of government support. Now Miranda Rodriguez is releasing the long-awaited third issue of the independently published graphic novel, uh, La Borinquena Number 3. He introduces readers to a new superhero team known as the Nitainos and a new Chinese Dominican character, Luz. Okay. So I did not know there was a volume two or three, so or a number two or three. So I might I, I, I didn't know about two. I yeah. did not know about two. I remember three. I remember one, obviously. I have a copy, but Same. I don't know I don't remember when two came out. Right. Yeah, neither do I. And I get um, I get like uh, stuff from him for, about this stuff, so I guess I need to have really paying that close of attention to it. I still need to read that copy of of one. Anyway, so hey, cool. Um, uh, next up, oh, he also says here in his article, Netflix. Let's talk about producing a Labo in Kenya uh, uh, TV series starring in all that next cast, shot on location in Puerto Rico, which hey, I'd be down for. <laughs> Um, 
Yeah, that's right. I do remember this because they were trying to get Rosario Dawson to uh, uh, on Twitter to kind of get into a campaign on that to, to, to voice the, the main character and who I believe she was down with. So, uh, Bysaz Archie is heading to print. Uh, if you've been online in the past year, uh, perhaps you've been fortunate enough to come across one, uh, what is arguably one of the best uh, consequences of social media, bite-sized article, according to this article. Uh, this the, the weekly three- or four-panel webcomic is written by Archie Comics Director of Social Media and Publicity, Ron Cacase, I guess. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but sorry if I'm the name. And illustrated by Archie Comics our Art Director, Editor, Vincent Lavallo. And it gives the Riverdale crew the chance to offer a weekly comment on the good, the bad, and the meme-worthy. Uh, you can see um, an example of that uh, in this article. And the article goes on to uh, uh, acknowledge the journey of said thing. But apparently this is all going to print as a digital collection... Uh, a print collection and a digital collection on Comicsology. Um, May uh, April twenty seventh, twenty twenty two, and in bookstores uh, on May seventeenth, twenty twenty two. The collection will be uh, one hundred twelve pages. So, if you know anything about that, then hey, hey check it out. Next up. Next up, Masters of the Universe, Clash for Eternia reveals new hero and villain preview. So this is a tabletop game, board game, and on Kickstarter. While we wait for the campaign to launch, Kaman, the company behind it, uh, has revealed new previews of its impressive miniatures for the game, including He-Man, Skeletor, Skeletor, Orko, and more. And you can check them all out starting uh, on the page uh, that Rodicat is showing you. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, uh, Avatar Legends become the biggest ever tabletop RPG on a Kickstarter after a few days. Um, the Avatar Legends, a role-playing game, launched on Kickstarter on August 3rd uh, and since become the highest-earning tabletop RPG to launch on the platform, as we mentioned, after a few days. Kind of not surprising, I'm, you know. Um, the officially licensed tabletop RPG by Magpie Games which is set in the world of Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra, went live on Kickstarter with a crowdfunding target of $50,000. The game smashed through its initial target in just 16 minutes before raising over a million dollars in just the first day on the website. Which, yeah, that doesn't happen that often there. Um... It has raised over four million, uh, eclipsing the previously held Kickstarter record of uh, for a crowdfunded TTRPG by some margin. And apparently, still, yeah, because usually Kickstarters are usually for a month, and it still has, as of this writing, twenty-four days to go. Well, actually, probably less than that because this was a few days. This is probably go a couple of weeks back. So yeah, if you're interested in that, you can still go and. Check it out. The Kickstarter will remain on Kickstarter until September 3rd, where it's pretty much already made uh, what's done and probably got some stretch goals out there. Uh, if you are so inclined to check that out. Last but not least. Uh, you're muted. Sorry about that, folks. 
Vampirella number 25, a wedding issue that sees Vampy married to a reincarnated Count Dracula, will be supersized with extra pages. Previously 32 pages, Vampirella number 25 is now 50 pages, with every additional page devoted to this story. Despite the bump in size, the issue's price of $3.99 will not change. Okay. That's impressive. And and rare. <laughs> yes. Agreed. Shout out to Priest. Christopher Priest, the writer um, of Vampirella, which I'd never taken an invalid, even if it is Priest, because the character is, you know. Yeah. Not <sighs> much of interest to me. Yes, exactly. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so <laughs> that, folks, is the end of. Yeah, my my yawn was not commentary yeah, on Vampirella. My not. yawn is commentary on on the uh, lateness of the hour. Indeed. And so, as we go to wrap up this here Combo Chronicles, we uh, have one last ad read. And you know what happens? You know what I read when I'm tired and it's late. Help us keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit cspn.us, then click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, etc. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment... That helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. And as we come to the end of this uh, exciting episode of uh, the Comic Chronicles and the end of my coffee, which is great timing, uh, I would like to thank each and every one of you fine folks for coming out. Um, We appreciate you very much. Uh, you can find myself. My name is Rydercat. You can find me at Twitter at Rydercat. You can find me at Newsmith Need on uh, Twitter. You can also find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Eight and underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram. PC underscore Dirt on Twitter. PopcultureNet on Twitter. PopcultureNetwork.com and all those umbrella sites therein. And also probably still on the Vine replacement bite under Comic Reviews No Vowels. I'm just going to start saying that because I have no idea whether he's still doing that or not. <laughs> um, uh, Tim, T-O-G-G-9-8 um, on Twitter. You, uh, the Osiris of this ish. You can also find him at CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Combo Chronicles Twitter account. You can also find him at the Click Nation on Twitter, which is V-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N. Uh, also theclicknation.com but also more first and f- well first and foremost you can find him at comicbookresourcescbr.com where he is writing his face off and as you may have seen from the video version they supply some of the um, articles that we have gone through or not he didn't supply we got them from him regardless <laughs> you know what I mean regardless you can find this here podcast on the coastal of the podcast network that's cspn.us do it today you can find us on your podcast virtual place of choice whether it be google play apple itunes aka apple podcasts uh spotify or the coastal of the podcast network soundcloud page again Every Thursday night, we record live, 9.30-ish p.m. on uh, YouTube.com slash TheClickNation. 
and twitch.tv slash chronicles. Give us a follow on either or both. Make sure to hit the like button, subscribe button, and to make sure to hit the notification bell so that you know when we are recording or post something new. Yeah. And of course, there's our social, there's our Twitter accounts, you know, um, where we will say we go live. Um, but regardless, thank you folks for coming out. Um, we got another week of uh, What If coming up, so we'll talk about that next week. I'm actually not sure what this is in this next episode, but we'll find out when it happens. Uh, this, folks, has been the Combo Chronicles. Peace. Peace one. Wakanda forever!